0: Hey, welcome to the 302nd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Uh, I just recently talked about John Byrne's Fantastic Four, some part of his run from the mid 80s. Uh, last week, I did an Off My Mind episode about Alfred being dead and that it's basically stupid. And this week, I just realized I have no idea what, what this week's going to be. So I, I need to get on that. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash heck And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That's ko com slash heck. All right, so what is this week? This week's uh, hmm, this week's main feature is Transformers, Rise of the Beast. So you can hear about that. <laughs> See what I thought about that. And um, then we, we have Superman Lois. We have another episode of Silo, which I love that show. A couple more American-born Chinese. I'm, I'm really enjoying that. And um, that's it besides comics. So a, a little lighter. This past week was super, super chaotic. I'm not really chaotic, but it was a so as you you're probably aware, I'm I'm a, a math teacher, I'm a middle school math teacher, and so we had graduation it was the last week of school, and uh, this this week was or this year was really really hard because I had such a great group of kids, and you know I don't know I don't know if anything it had to do with the you know teaching during COVID and you know all all that just it, it feels like it's been more than three years. And they're just such an amazing group of kids. You know, some, obviously some more than others, if I'm being totally honest. And uh, I was going to say, I could start listing names, they're not listening. But th- a lot of them, they just really, they, they really, like, earned a, a place in my heart. And I, I really came to care about them. And, I, you know, that's what you're supposed to do with teaching. But, I mean, the, the reality of it is the teachers look forward to summer, you know, summer break, probably more than the kids this year I've been, I've been like dreading it because with these kids leaving, moving on to high school, that's it. And, you know, every once in a while kids are like, oh yeah, I'll come and visit. And sometimes they do, but you know, they, they, they move on, you know, they're, they're young. They they got better things to, to worry about or whatever. So it's, it's really sad from a selfish perspective that, that I'm, I'm losing them and, you know, I am going to miss them. Dealing with that Plus the fact, um, on top of that, my, my daughter is is she moved out. She's taking her next step of her journey, and you know continuing schooling and all that. So it's 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 been a, a, a tough week for me. Very very emotional. We'll see <laughs> if I can make it through this podcast. Every once in a while, I will just get hit by just the thoughts and because like I, I gave a speech at at graduation. I normally don't do that. Teachers don't normally talk, but. I just really wanted to say some things to the kids and and it was like automatic when I, I wrote it it just I it, it was like no effort it's just you know bottom of the heart type of thing so yeah so now it's it's just I I'm, I'm kind of like in this weird days you know I, I it's just it's just such a weird it's it's kind of like a surreal feeling because I'm I, I feel like kind of empty inside and I, you know, whether that sounds cheesy or not, but it's just, just weird, you know, cause it's like, yeah, I didn't lose my daughter, but you know, she's not here. I'm not going to see her every day. And then these, these kids who, you know, I, I was seeing them five days a week, uh, you know, sometimes they, would you know, they would stay during break and work on their homework or just hang out with their friends. And sometimes they would pop in at lunch and I try to feed them because some of them, it's like, okay, you need to eat something. And, uh, so I'm just, I'm really gonna, gonna miss them. And uh, you know, miss them trying to get me to do like a TikTok with them, and I don't think that'd be appropriate. But yeah, so that—that's the end. Time to move on, you know, all that, and it's time to move on with this show because uh, you're not here to, to listen to, to that part. Uh, with uh, the news, I think I, I talked about everything. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna start with Secret Invasion. So Marvel Secret Invasion. I'm I'm super excited for this, and I didn't realize it was starting so so soon. It's like holy, holy cow! Um, which I, I'm happy. I mean, especially you know, give me something to, to do, something to think about. But I'm just really fascinated and kind of scared with the the concept of secret invasion, just the idea of the scrolls. It's it's something you know. The, the scrolls were always kind of goofy. You know, they started out in the, the early 60s. Was it like Fantastic Four? I, I I want to say issue five, but I feel like maybe it was issue three. I don't I don't know. But just the idea that you have these alien shapeshifters that can take the form and just you know voice mimic the voice and everything of 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 anyone, and then the whole idea with with secret invasion they kind of amp things up a bit where they somehow enhance themselves so they can actually like mimic superpowers and all that. So it it came down to it where you had no idea who was real and who had you know who had been replaced, and in some cases they'd been replaced for you know, a bit of time. So I, I think that's, that's really scary and, and just fascinating at the same time. So I, I was really looking forward to it. And it'll be cool to see Nick Fury again. Cause I feel like we haven't seen him in a while and just to see what, you know, what else is going on. So we have that to look forward to, but there was a five minute clip that you could see. And, and um, I forgot the website. It was like, the invasion has begun or something like that. I'm sure if you searched, you know, people have posted about it. And then there was like a password that you had to put, put to watch it. And it's just, it just has a different vibe to it. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. So we, we have that, that coming up. There was also, um, so Tom Holland, let's talk about Tom Holland. Apparently he's taking a year off of acting, which is like, what, (laughs) what about Spider-Man? You know, as, as we selfishly say, so he he just finished you know the um, the crowded room which is the Apple TV show I may may cover that on here we'll we'll see you know part of it's going to depend on how many episodes they drop at once but I might do that depending on if there's anything else and I, I, he said that like the show kind of broke him and you know there, there's times he just kind of had to like, take a break and just like go off on his own but he just decided you know he wants to take some some time off and just. So I mean that, that that's great. It it you know if we're being selfish we say that sucks, but it's good that he realizes you know even if it's like a you know mental health thing or whatever, just just to you know catch your breath and and rejuvenate yourself and uh, all that. So that that's that's great. It it seems crazy for a, a young actor like in their prime, how long is their prime? I don't know. You know, I don't want to be an ageist or anything like that, but like a whole year of not doing any projects. That's, that seems like a long time, but, but like I said, he is young, so he he can, he can handle that. And, um, as far as the Spider-Man stuff, apparently there were some talks, you know, they, they have started, but with the, the writer's strike and everything like that, things have kind of been put on pause. So we'll, we'll see how, how, how it goes from, from there uh Sasha Kaye, I don't know if that's how you say it, that's how I would say it. So she's playing Supergirl in The Flash, which comes out um this week and we'll, we'll talk about that next week. Uh she hopes to continue playing Supergirl. You know, she obviously who wouldn't want to. I mean, and she says there's no official word yet, you know, they are going to do a, a Supergirl uh movie, but we'll, we'll have to see how how it goes. You know, and the, the cool thing is, and, and now I'm going to be total hypocrite because she doesn't look like how Supergirl looks in the comics. I and mean, she looks like a Supergirl from, you know, another earth, another reality. But I, I think it's, it is, it is cool. It is um bold to, to do this. And, and again, I'm being total hypocrite with that. If, if it was ideal. Yeah. I think Supergirl should be a white blonde actress, but that being said, you know, you, you want to, the best person for the role, you, you know, um, Melissa Benoist. I thought she was great. She is not like pure blonde, you know. She's pretty blonde, you know, whatever, but she's more of a brunette, just maybe with highlight. I, I, dirty blonde. I don't know. And you know, she was great. So I, it, it, having had Supergirl, the show. I enjoyed the show. I although I didn't watch the final season, you know, the writing, and I, I feel like there are limitations being on, you know, first CBS, and then it was on CBS, right, and then on. Um, and the c w so I feel like she didn't get to do like as cool things as as she could have as a character should so it'll it's i'm really looking forward to seeing uh supergirl the new incarnation in in the movie and but since we had the melissa benoist supergirl so it it is kind of cool to have like a different version you know why do the same exact thing uh, i don't know so we'll we'll see and i have no idea what's gonna happen with um with the, the whenever they announce more stuff about Supergirl. Speaking of announcing more stuff, uh, Superman Legacy. Now this is from Deadline. So James Gunn hasn't announced anything, but Deadline sources are they more accurate than others? I, I mean, it feels like so many people are just talking rumors lately. They said that um, in-person screen tests should be happening around Father's Day. For, you know, casting for Superman Legacy for Superman Clark Kent, apparently, supposedly. We're, we're talking Nicholas Holt, who you know him from, from uh, Renfield <laughs> and um, for, from, the, the, what was that? Oh, what was that That movie about the dinner with the food and the, uh, I've just, I love that movie. You know what I'm talking about throughout Ralph Fiennes. Um, he was also in, obviously, in, in the X-Men movies in, in that. Uh, then there's David... Corin Sweat, or something. I think that's his name. He was in Pearl. I don't remember which was he. The projectionist, maybe I. I don't know. And then uh, Tom Brittany, who was um, I don't really know him either. He I think was in Greyhound with with uh, Tom Hanks. It was like one of the, the that war movie type of thing. So supposedly they're going to test for, for Superman. We'll see. Um, if it were me, I mean I only know Nicholas Holt, and I think he, he's he's great. I think you know he can play. He can play a nerdy Clark Kent. Um, I don't know about his physique, you know how how buff he is or anything. And I don't think I I, I don't think they should heavily rely on a padded suit because you know wh- whatever. You know, don't limit someone just because they're not, you know, massive bodybuilder. You know, you can always add to it, especially with the crazy Hollywood trainers, but you know don't overdo it. Um, and as for Lois, we have Emma. Uh, Mackie, I think is, is what it is. She's from uh, Sex Education, which I I think only watched like the first episode, maybe the first couple, I, so I never really got into that show and, and just because of time and all, all that. But people, I know people enjoy that show. She was also in Death of Denial, and, and she was really good at that. I didn't even realize that was her until, until I saw this, this news. Um, then there's Rachel Brosnahan, who was in uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel, um, i don't i don't know who she was in there because i don't watch that and then there's Phoebe de never who is in bridgerton which i don't know about that either so we'll see um i mean if we're, we're we they need to i would not want to be in this position to have to cast them because you know if they're talking 10-year plan they're they're hoping to keep these people around and yeah you can always replace recast but you, you know you want to try to avoid that if possible so not only do they need someone who can carry the characters for at least 10 years you know popping up here and there cameos or whatever but they also have to sort of be able to lock them in because you, you take someone who's like a, a hot commodity are they going to be able to commit to it and yeah so and are they going to want to commit to it so that, that'll be interesting uh there was a, a teaser for ahsoka and that's coming out August 23rd, which I don't remember if we knew that. I'm so confused with with these dates because like I, I thought Secret Invasion was coming out later, but it's coming out like this month, like is in a couple weeks. And in Ahsoka's August 23rd. So in the trailer, we see like Sabine Wren, we see Harris and Dula, we see Chopper and and so that that looks looks cool. I, I'm looking forward to that. But really, it's coming out in August. You should catch up on Star Wars Rebels if you haven't. It'll be worth it because I, I I worry that people are going to watch it. And they're not going to like, who are these people? What's going on? And you're going to kind of do yourself a disservice if you haven't watched Rebels. And and it, it it's unfortunate if it's like required watching. I'm sure they're going to recap and you know fill you in. But I I think it'll enhance your viewing pleasure if you're familiar with with, with everything there. So you know try try to try to do that. As far as the show, I really enjoyed it. Uh, in the beginning, I wasn't super crazy about the show. Like, the first few episodes, I'm like, oh, who's this kid, Ezra, blah, blah, blah. But then it, it just it picked up. And somewhere, I don't remember where, where exactly, but then all of a sudden, I was, like, really into it. Because I, I think I started watching it, and then I just kind of stopped. And it was a time thing, and, you know, I wasn't covering it for, you know, Comic Vine or anything like that. So I wasn't, like, required to watch it. And then I think what had happened is... Uh, cuz then i i think i got an early copy of the the blu-ray season and then i just like devoured it and everything so it's 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 cool you should watch it captain america 4 so originally it was going to be called new world order but apparently it's having its its title changed to brave new world there was no reason no explanation why they just that's that's new title so okay new world i mean i guess new world order sounds a little like more political, which I'm sure there's gonna be some politics involved with this, but it almost sounds like, like uh, not, not, like you're being a terrorist or a tyrant or whatever. But brave, I don't know. We'll see. I have no idea what what they're gonna do with with this movie. That's coming out on May third, twenty twenty four. So I'm excited for that. We know that there's gonna be a brave and a bold movie, like a Batman, brave and a bold, and. I don't know if this is official or not. I thought this was official, but apparently it's not official. I think it's not official, but it may have a director, Andy Muschietti, who's the, that's probably not how you say it. Sorry. Uh, he's the director for The Flash. So if he's, if, if that's, if it this is true, then that says something right there. Because, you know, James Gunn has said that, He's you know excited. He enjoyed the Flash. It's good, and you know they're having positive reviews. So if they're looking and saying, okay, you get to how this all these this, these type of movies work? We want you to direct this other movie, and to have it like a Batman you know movie. So that that's 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 a kind of a big deal. Um, as far as Superman animated, uh, My Adventures with Superman. I'm looking forward to this. I I, I think the the animation style look, looks pretty slick. So this is going to be on, on Adult Swim. It's going to start on Thursday, July 6th at midnight. Two episodes will show that first week. And then it's going to be one episode per, per week. And it's going to debut the next day on Max. Not HBO Max because it doesn't exist anymore. just on Max. Now, my question is if it's going to be Thursday. So Thursday at midnight. So, okay, yeah. So that'll be Thursday, 1201. And then, so probably be Fridays on Max. And there's not a whole lot of other news. Dan Slott had commented about this. Is sort of still movie news. Um, he he talked about the changes made to Spider Punk, and he's he's like they actually made him cooler. <laughs> I didn't think that would be possible because you know Spider Punk's a cool character. But he he mentions you know that he was like really excited. He's like that's what 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 happens when you know you have your toys in a toy box and other people can play with it and do like really cool things. And he made it like a reference, like Wolverine, you know, like the Wolverine creators, they, you know, they create this character and then, you know, Chris Claremont and, you know, and John Byrne and Frank Miller, you know, they just evolved this character. And he's like, not that he became someone different, but in a, in a way he just, they just totally enhanced it. And I say that that's, that's a huge part of Superman. You know, Siegel and Schuster, yes. They you know, they deserve the credit that they, you know, for creating him and everything like that. But you look at everything over the years and just different things that have happened and changing into powers and it's it's hard to just give one person credit for it, you because know, it's it's all the writers over the years that they deserve the credit and, and it's it's so cool in these comic book movies to see all these creators being thanked in the credits. I'm sure it would be much nicer if they actually got a paycheck with us, that thanks. But it's, it's at, at least it's a start. They're getting their recognition. And it's not just like, like yep, we own the character. We're going to do this. Here we go. So that, that was that was cool of Dan to mention that. Um, and also speaking of Dan Slott, apparently Superior Spider-Man is coming back. It's like, what? I had no idea. There's no information just that Dan Slott's going to be writing it. Does this mean Doc Ock again? I, not necessarily. And um, yeah, no, no idea what that means. So we'll see. I mean, I did enjoy, I did really enjoy Superior Spider-Man when it came out. I was a strong supporter of it. Um, the reviews, I'm sure, still exist on Comic Vine. So you, you can take check it out if you don't believe me. But at this point, I, was like, I don't know if I wa- would want to go back to Doc Ock being Spider-Man. So it, it's probably going to be something different. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what, what they're going to do. Uh, there's also some ultimate universe coming back. And I meant to read the, the I you know, I got a press release for that and I didn't read it. So Jonathan Hickman's evolved. I forget who, who the artist is. So I apologize for that. And part of the reason why I didn't look at it, one, because it was a busy week. And two, I don't know if I'm su- super excited about this. You know, there's going to be a bunch of ultimate titles Part of me, part of me is I'm looking at this is going to be a bunch more books that I'm going to have to read every week, but also I, I I don't know it's like do we need to go back there? I'm sure there's cool stories to to tell, and you know if you're bring if you're getting Jonathan Hickman back, I mean that that's huge, that he want well I guess he, you know he's been working with the X Men stuff, but you know he must have some stories that he wants to tell. I guess my my main my main concern or not necessarily problem, but it's like I thought. They wiped out the Ultimate Universe and you know merged it somehow with the the six one six and that's how we got Mar- Miles Morales. So what does this mean if the Ultimate Universe is back and that you know does that negate the whole storyline of, of you know Cataclysm or Ultimatum or whatever it was that, that resulted in this? And what does this mean for Miles? And so I don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's gonna be super cool. I just I just don't need like 10, 15 more books a month to read, but. We'll see. And then uh, I guess the last bit of news. So Captain America is getting a new writer. Um, Actually, no, I take that back. There's something else I just remembered. So J. Michael Straczynski is going to be writing Captain America. That's really cool. When I heard this, I was like, is this one of those books where he... No offense to J. is He's an amazing writer. But he's since he's written so much cool stuff. I mean, he's he's almost like a legend now. I would say, and is he a legend? He is a legend. But usually, when I say legend, I I think like you know, old, I don't want to insinuate that he. I'm saying he's old. So when when I you know we've been seeing like a return of some of writers who have written before, like years before, coming back, and it's really cool to see you know because they have more stories to tell and they know the characters from you know before, and we get these sort of like out of continuity stories out of it and they can be cool but on the other hand also sometimes it feels like well is this going to have an impact on anything you know is this this is, is probably just a story to enjoy and then one for me because of my crunch for time it's like well i while I would love a story to just enjoy, I kind of don't have the time to just enjoy it because I'm trying to read to see is there any big lasting impact that's going to affect the other books and stuff like that. Like if stuff I have, I, I'm I'm really concerned with the X Men stuff since I didn't read all of that sinister stuff. But um, I'm, I'm so I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty sure, that, and I'm not I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that makes no sense. I think. That this is gonna be like the the main Captain America book. So it's not one of those kind of retro flashback, you know, type of things. But we're also gonna get like some new developments on Steve Rogers' life before he was Captain America. Mm, okay, that that's fine. So we'll we'll see. I really like Captain America and I I do have faith in JMS, but of course I'm gonna be hesitant because I like Captain America so much. So I, I just hope it's really cool. The last, last, official last bit of news is about Beetlejuice 2. So we're jumping back to movies, even though I was just going to end it with comics. Uh, Beetlejuice 2 is going to be using practical effects. So that that's really cool that they're, they're going to actually do that and not just do everything CG. Apparently Michael Keaton and... and uh, Tim Burton had talked about this for years and they're like, yeah, if we do this, you know, this is what we have to do. Just, they didn't tell anyone that they're talking about it. So I guess they've been, you know, communicating about it. So that's cool too. You know, that they, they have things that they want to do and all that. So we have that to look forward to. And um, we also have a lot more to look forward to because that's comics for the week. All right. With comic books, oh, man, at image, so, okay. First of all, there was Almighty Issue Five, and so I was reading this. This is the last issue. I don't think I read Issue Four. I was reading this this series, and somehow I must have missed. Maybe because that that title, it, it's 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 a little generic. You know, it's it's not really descriptive, it, and so it's it's possible when I saw, I just I totally. Forgot about it. So, yeah, I can't speak about that. The other thing which I should have read is Ambassadors, number six. So, I'm I'm just really kicking myself that I didn't read that. I'm almost tempted to say, well, I could pause this and go read it. But I, I, I have to do the whole show. So, Ambassador six. Um, let me know how it was. I'm going to read that later. <laughs> um, Blood Tree issue five. am I'm, I'm really intrigued with... I've been intrigued with this. So, there's been a serial killer who... Uh, his victim he's been putting like wings on them and he's also been killing the families of the, the killers which kind of sucks you know and, and anyone should be, be 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 killed but he's targeting like bad people and then he's killing their family too kind of like he's blaming them that you know they didn't do anything to stop this evil person or catch them, or you know whatever these two detectives are have been trying to stop him and everything like that and getting closer to clues and and then like the the, the lead detective the our main character, the dude, he's like found out some stuff about his past and, and there's just there's just like been layers and stuff added and, and they have a good idea who the killer is now, so they're trying to zero in on him and it's almost like, you know, caging a wild animal. Is that the expression? And uh yeah, so things so the killer is like kind of amping things up, mixing you know mixing things up a little, bit, changing the mo, just to try to deal with that. So um, yeah, there's that. Hell to Pay issue five came out. I I don't think I've been keeping up with this either. I this was this is I, I I would suggest checking this out to see if this is you know something that that you want you know especially as I don't know when the trade will come out. But this is by Charles Soule, and you know he, he's he's amazing. Um, Will Sliney does the art, and uh, I've talked about this multiple times about this these two couples. They're hunting these like cursed coins. There's a certain number of them. I, I don't know if it was two hundred and fifty. I forget. And during this, you know, as they're wrapping up, tracking down the, the last coin or something like that. You know, so this is where we came in, in the first issue, and it turns out that because uh, I think they're married pretty sure they're married during a couple but the 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 woman she becomes pregnant and you can't be pregnant when you're in this organization this mystical whatever thing because if you do give birth and they like take your kid away and you know do who knows what and, and stuff so they're looking at it, it's like okay we're gonna wrap this up and we'll our debt will be paid we'll be free we can move on but then when they find the last coin they're actually find two coins so that means there's more than the whatever 250 so then the people in charge are like well you need to figure this out but they're like dude we we did our what we're supposed to this is your problem now and they're like nope it's yours so yeah there's things like that to come up i think there's one issue where it it delved into some this one character like past stuff and and it was that old-timey history stuff that that kind of put me off a little bit and then that might have been like the third issue i don't remember Okay. Then there was I Hate This Place issue nine. So this crazy thing, this this the second story arc really took things in a different direction when there is like the the sort of time travel thing, you know, with the hints of stuff happening from the future and how it ties to the past and or to the present. So and then uh, the the one woman, her her father and and his cult and. Yeah, it's just a lot, a lot going on here. So this, this, this has been interesting. Um, then there is uh, in Hell we fight. This is issue one. This is by John Lehman. and I was I was thrown off for a bit because the art is by Jock, and I was like, wait, Jock is doing doing a book. I thought he was doing his own thing, uh, not you know like writing and and doing and drawing. But this is J O K Jock, not J O C K. Because at first I was like, is is that a typo? Um, so totally different jock I guess and I start I, I haven't finished reading this uh it says, so it says life isn't life in hell isn't easy demons try to torture you for all eternity monsters want to eat you there's a stunning lack of reliable indoor plumbing and it's almost impossible to get ice cream at least until today when three condemned teens and their annoying tagalong demon demon friend of me embark on a daring scheme to hijack a demon lord's delivery truck. What happens next will take them on an epic journey across the underworld, an infernal excursion of nonstop excitement, danger, and adventure. So I, I started reading it, and it, it was interesting because, like, one of the the dead teens, he was like, oh, I forgot the year, if it was like eighteen hundreds or something like that. And then there's this other girl it was like two like two thousand something, and it's it's hell, it's eternity, so it doesn't matter, and. um, I, yeah I didn't get a chance to finish reading that but i'm'm I'm, I'm curious with that so you might want to check that out you know it's john layman so so he's he's good and then um I guess magic order four number five came out which i i'm so behind on that love everlasting eight came out I feel it didn't like seven just come out because then I said like oh I think I missed an issue so that's out noctara issue 15 came out uh, also so this is uh part four of the current story arc we get some more flashback stuff with like emery and for some reason i'm i'm just really intrigued really um hooked on on these flashback parts and i, I don't know what it is because in the early issues we we saw flashbacks like when the, the the whole thing happened and the world went dark and then all these creatures came out and everything so there's there's something about seeing the, these flashbacks and then you know they they thought that they were at this the safe haven but then it turns out that they're not and there's still all these dark creatures and it's just it's crazy and um tony daniel's art is is just and uh marcello my Mai, um, colors are, are just great so I'm, I'm really curious to see like you know where where are they and, and Scott Snyder like like taking all this because there's just like so much going on. Um, then we have Phantom Road four so this is Jeff Lemire and uh, Gabriel Hernandez walta and uh, Jordy Belair. So we have this truck driver he's driving and a semi truck he comes across this accident. There's a couple, the the dude is dead, but then there's like this strange device and it kind of like shunts them to like this parallel dimension where there's kind of like these weird, almost featureless zombies. And so now they have to like deliver this thing because they went to this rest stop and this rest stop is kind of like a hub in between worlds or something like that and uh there's there's something about yeah like but the like the the chain of, of this place and then there's this like fbi agent who's trying to investigate like this a dead body that they find uh, one of the, like the featureless zombie things and there's like something about her past and you know, she gets like abducted by some, someone it's like wait what's going on here and the the layers are are again being peeled off the onion and it's just like what is going on and and it's 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 kind of freaky in a way and so i i'm really curious about that so it's pretty cool stuff i would i strongly recommend that over at dc comics we had shazam number two this is really good it's you know mark wade and dan moore i i don't understand how dan moore is doing all all these books and and i yeah so it's just really good Billy Batson, Shazam, he, what happened in the first issue, he goes off, there's like, I don't know if it was a volcano, I don't remember, but there's some big catastrophe and he's helping out and then, you know, people are thinking, and then he just kind of goes off and them, starts yelling at them and it's like, of course, goes viral and stuff like that. So there's something going on there and then we're seeing at the Rock of Eternity that there's some, the gods the, the, from Shazam, from the, the wording, I think they're a little miffed over being relegated to just being in a rock of eternity and they don't really dig that this kid is using these powers. And so I don't know if they're the ones manipulating it, but there's definitely some things going on. And then the rest of the Shazam family has been cut off from the power. So Billy feels bad about that because he can't share it with them. And so it's just definitely cool stuff happening here. And then uh, we have the flash issue 800 and uh, this was like a like almost like a fifty page comic, and and there's a lot of stuff. It's supposed to be like celebrating a celebration of Wally West, and eh, you know it, it was it was fine. You know there's there's some cool things. What's interesting about this is so you know we we had the first story is by Jer- Jeremy Adams, pencils by Fernando Passerin. This one, it was. Uh, I feel like it. It was what was it that Batman one um, almost got him? The Batman animated series. I felt like it was, it was kind of going for a vibe like that because you have a bunch of villains sitting around and then they're talking about you know all these different heroes, and they make a good point that like you shouldn't mess with Central City because the Flash can basically do anything. But there's so many times where he fails and it, it just make doesn't make sense because you know that shouldn't happen. So that story was was all right, and then there is was um, The Max in the Mirror, which is by Mark Wade and Todd Nock, and it, that was like kind of like a flashback story because it had uh, Bart and Max Mercury. So it's like kind of like way back then. That, that was a, f- a really fun story. There is a Flash Family by Joshua Williamson and then Carmine D G N D Domenico. I don't remember what that one was about. But then there is a Blitzback, Jeff Johns and Scott Collins. That one was about um, Hunter Zolomon, which is, he's just, a, there's almost something scary about Hunter Zolomon. I don't know what it is because, you know, he, he was trying to help Barry, but then he becomes like, you know, uh, like a reverse flash and, and evil and all that. And then there's uh, Between Love and You, Donna DC Prelude. What the heck? I don't remember that one. Uh, let me just flip to that. Oh, that was a kind of a weird one yeah because uh barry and and iris go out to dinner and it's supposed to be like you know he's he's not supposed to he's kind of like he's like i won't use my powers but then he's actually zipping out and doing stuff like in between the seconds like you know she's gonna check her watch and then he knows that he he can go out and do this but that's where it gets like kind of crazy it's like he can do all this stuff so it's like how can anyone stop him if he's that fast And uh, because, you know, she's like looking at her watch trying to, you know, she's she knows that he's going to run off at some point, but he doesn't. And um, did I say Barry and Iris or did I say Wally and Linda? I think it was Wally and Linda. So so um, I'm normally not a fan of these oversized comics just because there's too much to read. But this was a a pretty decent book. Steelworks number one came out. Um, This was fine. I, I don't know how I feel about it because part of it, John Henry Irons, you know, it, 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 it's, it is cool that he has his own book and that Natasha is, is in a book too. You know, I'm really enjoying them in Smallville, or Smallville, in uh, Superman and Lois, so it's cool that they're, they're getting a book as well. So the the book is written by Michael Dorn, Sci-fi's Michael Dorm, I forget how to describe him. So basically, Wharf is writing this. I was like, okay. Um, Sammy Bassery does the art, which is, is cool. So, John Henry, he wants to set up like a security system for Metropolis, you know, because he doesn't want Metropolis to be dependent on the heroes, even though he is a you know costume hero. And he even vows, he's like, yeah, I'm going to give up the armor because that's how committed I am to, to this. And so forth, and, and Natalie's like, "Wait, what are you talking about?" And so, and obviously, things you know escalate from there. So, so it's it's interesting and kind of tying to like you know the, the current Superman stuff that we've been seeing. Then there's Poison Ivy thirteen. I'm trying to remember how issue twelve ended because here she's back with uh with Harley, and you know they're supposed to be going on a date and all that. But it's like she was just, she. I think the last issue she went on that kind of retreat place and then they were all drugged and um yeah so i just kind of skimmed through this one i uh, i don't know i i, I this has been a, a weird series where i just i'm not sure how i feel about it where like where is it going because you know the, the first story arc like poison ivy was going to like obliterate you know humankind which i didn't i feel like i missed something because it's like that you're going to kill everyone turn them all into these plant spores Including Harley, the love of your life. So I don't know. Then uh, I I kind of stopped reading Dark Knights of Steel. Someone let me know how is that? I, I was I liked it, but I'm not you know big on the medieval stuff. And it was just there's too many books, so I, I just I skipped one and it just snowballs from there. So I haven't been reading that. Adventures of John Kent, uh, Adventure Superman John Kent issue four. So we have. John in uh, what you call it in the Injustice Earth, and you know he's trying to make sense of of what's going on. You know who's this Superman? Who's this Batman? You know they hate each other, and you got these two factions going on, and and uh, yeah. So it's like who can he trust? And because he, he knows all of them, they don't trust him. He's because he sees Lex Luthor, and he's like it's like oh, he must be up to something. But then he's like Lex Luthor's working with Batman. Like what what's going on here? It's um. Definitely gonna make things kind of messy, but but, but this is the thing well, I've thought about this so many times. Where if you know something, like let's say you know Bruce Wayne is Batman, and then you go to like a parallel world, you're you have that knowledge, so you know you, you can cause so much damage, or you know, whatever has such an advantage depending on what you find out. And if you go to another world, you find these things out because maybe in this other world, Batman's identity is, is public or whatever. So it's just it just seems like really like you got to tread carefully here because like you know Jonathan says some stuff and you know he he knew I forget if he said like when he, Barbara when Batgirl came up to him he's like Barbara or whatever and she's like how do you know and so and that whatever um, then there's the Joker who stopped laughing uh, issue nine and i was kind of confused because i think it was last week's there's one one book where they kind of reference i still have no idea what's up with these different jokers and i feel like one book almost spoiled it where i don't know if it was like supposed to be like a multiverse joker thing but there's like no no hint of that here so i maybe that was wrong what i read i i don't know what's going on but i'm i'm really curious what's up with these two different jokers that we have here and, and I'm also really curious, what's up with these backup stories that Francesco Francavia draws? Because they're so absurd, and they just crack me up, and and I, I love them. Uh, Pacemaker, or Pacemaker, Peacemaker Tries Hard, number two, came out. I didn't finish this one either. I started reading it, and I'm like, I honestly don't remember, you might remember when it came out if I talked about it, I don't remember reading the first issue. So I don't know if I talked about it or not. I, I started reading it, and then... I yeah g- got distracted uh, helping my daughter you know pack up her car and stuff like that so I didn't read that um, then Batman one thirty six uh, so Batman's you know it's just he's back he's trying to you know recuperate from what had happened to him now here's one of the things so I talked about Alfred I kind of wish that I would have if I would have waited like a day before I recorded it, um, the, the the off my mind. Because uh, I read this like right after recorded, I'm like, oh, maybe I should add something. But here's one of the things that it, you know, it, it starts off where Batman's in the, the Batacombs and he's being checked out by Mr. Terrific. Because normally that's something that Alfred would do, kind of check his vitals and stuff like that. But there is no Al- friggin' Alfred. So we have to get Mr. Terrific, hey, can you do me a favor and come over and run these tests on me? Because you're not busy. So it's just, it seems kind of silly the fact that we don't have Alfred and so, you know, we have to, but you need someone. So you just pulled some random others hero. So I, I don't know, but basically he's hiding something, you know, there, there's something going on because uh, with Mr. Terrific, he even says um, something he's, he's like, cause Mr. Terrific's like, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about, and then he like kind of cuts him off. He's like, I'd appreciate it if you kept this between us. So there's there's something going on with 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 uh, Bruce, and then then there's stuff with about Zen or, or like and everything like that. So um, then he like I think he has a confrontation with with Catwoman too. Yeah, about he's mad that she broke out of jail and everything, and then the end is just kind of weird. Um, so yeah, I don't know, but I, 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 I'm enjoying. It. I'm kind of glad I I wasn't super crazy about batman being in a parallel world but so so i'm glad that that he he's he's out okay then at marvel we had a uh, bishop war college issue five i didn't read that i mean yeah i just i don't know i didn't really dig it uh the first issue daredevil issue 12 so daredevil he he's determined he's he's upset that like Foggy is apparently dead. He was killed and then, like, reanimated as a puppet by the hand. He's determined, Daredevil's determined that he could maybe save Foggy by going to a particular certain hell. And to do that, he has to kill himself. There's like this cave where you can enter this, whatever, certain part of hell. And as he goes there, Electra shows up and she's like, dude, you're not doing this. And everything like that, so um, yeah, things are gonna get a little little messy there. Then there was a uh, Fantastic Four issue eight. This was this was a fun book. This was a fun issue. You know, it's Fantastic Four. They're away from New York. They kind of went on a road trip. They went to the things to to Ben's Aunt Petunia's like farm, which I don't understand. She has like two places because she's not staying there. They're basically hanging out there because they don't have the baxter bill anymore because the the baxter building was getting invaded by the negative zone then a portal somehow opened and stuff you know was coming out so in order to solve the problem and save new york city or whatever reed felt he had no choice but he sent the baxter building a year into the future that includes people there was you know civilians inside and including the kids Franklin Valeria and then uh, the thing in Alicia's adoptive scroll and Cree kids the world is hating them for what they did and blah, blah 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 so they they kind of split up went their separate ways but then they regrouped so now they're hanging out at this farm but what's interesting is uh, Sue and Alicia they go into town to a hardware store to pick up some things and you know because Alicia wanted art supplies and one and Reed wanted, you know some stuff whatever they go there and there's only there's like all these checkout lanes. There's a big line, there's, and they're like, "What's going on? Why are there all these checkout lanes and only one register open?" And then the the lady, she's apparently the owner. She's like, "Oh, it's 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 always been like this. It's always just been me." And then they're wondering, like, "Why have all these other lanes if they're never going to use them?" And, and then they. They decided they, they, she forgot something for Reed, so they're going to go back. But then the, the hardware store is closed, and she t- talks to someone else like at the mall place. And they're like, that place, it's been closed for years. What are you talking about? And they're like, we were just there. And there was this dude. who's so was like, you were standing right behind me in line. Like, And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So just some, some weird things going on. We, we, we kind of find out why, but I'm not going to spoil all that for you. Then uh, Immortal X-Men. So this is one I haven't been reading. I don't, And I don't know what I'm missing. In here, I could be missing important stuff. I was really tempted because uh, Colossus and, and Kate Pride are on the cover, but I was also worried that, well, I haven't been reading this lately, so I don't know. Uh, let's see. The Quiet Council gather to Fill the Empty Seat. See, that sounds important. It's the last chance to make a smart, kind decision to prevent the fall luckily the deciding vote is in the hands of trusty old colossus let's hope he hasn't gotten he hasn't got plans to ruin everything that would be terrible so yeah i should probably read that but i did not invincible iron man 7 so stark enterprises has been taken over by what's that dude's name um uh, he's not not listed in the synopsis and uh I can't remember. He's so he's like that kind of X Men enemy. He hates mutants and everything, and uh, so it's like a hostile takeover type of thing. Tony Stark's like left out in the cold, and this dude he's using Stark Enterprises to build Sentinels. So like Iron Man's Sentinels and stuff like that, and then there's like this big fire. Sentinels are helping. X Men are helping. And then a firefighter turns out to be a mutant so then the sentinel starts attacking him and then the x-men attack this giant sentinel they have to take it down everything like that so of course the news gets spun that the x-men are attacking you know firefighters and and all that and so, so it's like this just this dude is is not not a good dude he's a he's a real scumbag loki issue one um let's see loki saves the marvel universe he may be a benevolent god of stories now, but Loki's past as a god of lies returns to hunt him when ancient, powerful weapons he once built end up scattered across the ten realms. Loki must track down these weapons before they fall into the wrong hands and bring about Ragnarok. Surprise guest stars, exciting new characters, and starling twins wait. Starling twists <laughs> await this all-new miniseries by Rising Stars, Dan Waters, and German. Peralta that was pretty cool the the, story is interesting it's so weird I mean I really like Loki but I I think it's the the whole Asgard thing where sometimes if it's too Asgardian if it it gets to be like the old timey stuff that I kind of don't like and I, I get a little bored so when we see parts of like Loki's past, I, sometimes I, I start losing interest. It's like I don't want to see like his past. I don't want to see like whatever life on Asgard is. It's, it's for some reason I'm just not interested. But yeah, there's definitely something going on here. So um, it it was it was good. Um, I think you, maybe you would like it more than I did. But I I thought it was I thought it was it was good. It was okay. I didn't love it. You might. <laughs> Red Goblin issue five came out. Uh, I I skimmed through this one because I haven't been reading the other ones and I just I don't even know. <laughs> uh, spider Man issue nine came out, so Spider Man decided he wanted to amp up his spider sense. He's like, I I want to be able to if if I can just detect you know danger to myself, why can't I extend that and find out when other people are in danger, or who needs help, and and so forth. Unfortunately, it goes into overdrive and he. It's he's like almost overwhelmed. There's like constant, you know, bombardment of people getting endangered, and some it could be someone about to get a paper cut versus someone about to trip and fall down a flight of stairs. So it just gets to be a bit much. And then um, spoiler, at one point, Peter, there's like a a robbery in progress, so Peter's gonna attack all these henchmen, dude. But then he starts to realize that by him punching them. You know the spider sense is going off for them because they're about to get hurt so you know it, he's like literally this is gonna hurt me more than it hurts you because then he's getting the the zap you know the spider sense going off so yeah it's just it's just kind of crazy and uh you know Norman Osborne he's trying to help him this must take place before amazing spider man 26 from last week that dumb issue uh then there's a uh, Star Wars 35 star or star 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 wars yeah star wars luke skywalker who was called the star wars luke skywalker went to this planet because he wants to find out about kyber crystals so he met this lady and she's like yeah i can help you if you help me type of thing whatever they go to this dude dr kuada and he knows a lot about kyber crystals and he then he he is he maybe can talk to them either he's crazy or he actually can talk to him from being around him so much he's not force sensitive but he says that you know he can detect that and you know looking at the the kyber crystal the loot the lightsaber that luke found the yellow lightsaber there's like a crack there's like a defect so he's like you know maybe can try to fix that and stuff like that but he wants luke in return to do something for him so there is uh a red kyber crystal and he wants him to try to heal it because the way to assist turn the crystals red is they just kind of bleed it out or something like that and they just really you know not necessarily damage it but you know it has this this big effect on them and uh so luke goes in there and, and then there's actually like like a, a sith presence inside and and then there he gets like glimpses of other things like of his dad and he's not really sure what's going on of darth vader and then there's a a green one that he goes into, and, and Yoda's there, and he's like, uh, he's like, okay, this isn't real. He's like, but I'm whatever. While you're here, he's like, why aren't you helping? He's like, I've been trying to talk to you, and you're not responding. And Yoda's like, well, you know, you decide to forge your own path. You decide to leave, and you know, stuff like that. So Luke kind of gets in an argument. He's not really sure, and but then he starts getting affected, and so. And I'm telling the whole thing. I don't, I don't know why. I I've said too much, so you should check check that out. Then there was a uh, Star Wars Return of Jedi Empire. I this issue kind of made me mad. Okay, so because like the cover is like, what would you do if the Empire took over? At first, I'm like, is this like some sort of what if story? Like, what's going on? So the synopsis says an operation as operations begin. To take place on the moon of Endor, a technician must figure out how to live under the control of the Empire. But if he can't stay out of trouble, what will the Empire do with him? Continuing the 40th anniversary celebration, Return of the Jedi, Jody Hauser and Jethro Morales pull back the curtain on the Empire like never before. It was this dude. He's working for this company that was kind of taken over by the, the Empire, and uh, he's working on this, you know, base up Endor and. It just I don't know, it's just I I didn't wasn't impressed by this. And and it, it just ends it. So I was like, really? That that's it, that's the whole thing? Then there's Star Wars Yoda issue eight. This was fun because it's a you know it's obviously <laughs> I was gonna say it's a flashback story. All of them are flashback stories because Yoda is dead. <laughs> and it was a long time ago. But this is a flashback story during like the Clone Wars because Yoda and Anakin are off like they go off on this mission together and it's it's kind of funny their interactions because anakin's kind of a jerk you know he's not super respectful to yoda even though he should be um but you know he's he's just so headstrong and so i i i enjoyed that then uh then there is x-men 93 so this is dealing more this is what's what's cool about this because Jerry Duggan's writing this. He's also writing Invincible Iron Man, so there's almost like some parallels going on here. And this is dealing with like the the, the Sentinels and, and stuff like that. So there's there's cool, um, you know. Wait, maybe this was the one with the fire. Maybe it was taking place. Yeah, I think. So what I said about Invincible Iron Man was probably wrong because Invincible Iron Man, it's all about Tony trying to attack a warehouse. And Rhodey helps him. I can't believe I totally didn't mention that. And and so Tony gets like the stealth suit so he can do some stuff. And then Rhodey spoiler actually goes in like the Iron Man suit and you know the poses Iron Man type of thing. And you know he he comments how it's 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 like weird to go back and everything. So yeah, I can't believe that <laughs> I mixed that up. And then there's um X Men before follow mutants uh strike for strike so this eh, i don't know i read this as like okay something's coming but let's see what's to say krakoa strikes ever since mutants declared themselves humanity's new god certain circles have been waiting for the other shoe to drop the wrath when a small new england town is hit by devastating mutant attack it seems the wrath is here but all isn't as it appears and krakoa doesn't hesitate to save lies it's time for Bishop to lead Krakoa's biggest rescue effort yet. I did I even read this? Because that doesn't sound like anything that I I remember reading. Now I'm kind of confused, but I just I don't know what what's going on with you know Krakoa. I, I feel like Krakoa is going to fall. Like they're going to take all that stuff away. But who? I mean, you may know better than I do since I've been skipping some X Men books. But we'll see. So that that's going to be comics for the week. Let's move on. Okay, Superman and Lois, Season 3, Episode 11, Complications. When I saw that title, I was like, oh, crap, because, you know, with Lois, her surgery, you know, last chemo, all that stuff, it starts off with uh, police in Metropolis. They hear gunshots, but they don't know where it's coming from. And then, like, shots sit by and they're ducking. Superman arrives, and with his vision, he doesn't see anything. And then someone yells, there are no bullets, because it's just Paya making, you know, mimicking sounds all over the place. However, that works. You know, that, that's what, what she's doing. The officer goes up to him and says, when is it going to stop? And he's like, I'm working on it. It's like, come on, man. He flies up to, you know, over, looking over the city to try to pinpoint her. Sam talks him over his whatever radiocom thing, asks if he has any luck, because he's like, you know, whatever Mannheim did kicked up her power tenfold. And Superman says, that, you know, it's, it's throwing him off. So Lois is at the hospital. She's getting prepped for tomorrow's surgery. Doctor says that she'll you know, do everything that she can to get the surgery, right? Clark's now he's there and he's like, I will too. So he's, you know, they're having friends over for dinner for Los's final you know, dinner before the surgery or anything like that. And then he hears more gunshots. So he has to leave again. So we see Paya, she's in a room like mimicking the gunshots and somehow she's amplifying it across the city. I don't get how this works. She's sitting in this closed room. It's not like she's sticking her head out the window, but somehow she's, she's doing this, I guess. So Bruno says to Mateo, I, at first, I thought he said a plane is being prepped, but maybe he said a train because there is a, like a subway train that we see later. So he says, by like by this time tomorrow, they'll be halfway around the world. And then he's he says something like like a house on the beach. It's always been your mother's dream, Mr. Kerr. This I just can't stand this Mr. Kerr guy. He calls Bruno over, and Empa says, Mateo, she's like, you know, I, I've always wanted you to have a normal life. And now after what you did, and Mateo's like, it was worth it." And she's like, but you had to give up Natalie. And he's like, yeah, but I got you back. And, you know, you're finally healthy again. And she's like, what did I, you know, do to deserve a son like you? And he's like, well, you had to put up with that for so long. And then they both kind of laugh at that. And then Bruno calls, calls him over. Um, so while they're talking, then she kind of gets a tickle in her throat and coughs a little bit. Then she coughs pretty fiercely, where like her powers kind of go off a little bit. At the Gazette, Kyle's talking to Clark. He's like, "Wow, you're Superman!" And he's like, "You always were a wiry little kid in high school." And he's like, "Yep." And he's he's like, "I appreciate you not i i eye laser eyeing me, you know, that time that I pantsed you in gym class." And Clark's like, "Maybe we just don't do that again." Then Chrissy kind of like motions to Clark, and then Clark's like, "And all I ask that you keep everything a secret." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, of course." He's like, "Anything you say, Superman." And he's like, "Let's just stick with Kent." And Chrissy like mouths like, "Thank you." So Clark zips off, then Chrissy jumps up. She's like, crazy, right? She's like, I went flying. It killed me not to tell you that. I'm so glad that you finally know. He's like, except I already did know. When I talked to you about it, you acted like I was crazy. She's like, babe, you just heard Clark. I had to protect the secret. He's like, sure, but it still doesn't change the fact that you lied to me. It's like, oh my gosh, seriously, Kyle? And she's like, kind of nervously laughs. She's like, Oh, is this funny? She's like, You made me feel stupid. She's like, I didn't have a choice. Oh, I've said those exact words many times, always with the best of intentions, but it never ended well. And she's like, Kyle, you're overreacting. Oh, you think I am? And he walks out of the room like a baby. Lana and, and Sarah are at the Kents. They have chicken wings from Bazoomba's, the like Hooters type restaurant. John Henry and Nat arrive. Lana says that. You know lois told her everything that she's going through she's like are you all right and he's like well as long as the manheims are you know out there none of us are and then nat grabs sarah's hand to go in the other room because you know she needs to talk she's about you know sad about mateo they start eating jordan's looking all pouty then nat says to like jordan sarah they're sitting in, in the living room it's like she's she says i i know what mateo did was wrong and now he's just gone She's like I really miss him. John's like, oh, that really sucks. And she's like, even if it's just to say goodbye, she's like, I just want to talk to him one more time you know, to tell him how I feel. And Sarah's like, just like kind of taking this in. And she just like gets up. She's like, I'll be right back. So Jordan is sitting out on a porch eating alone because he's, he's a baby too. Sarah's like, why are you being like this? And she's like, I said I was sorry. He's like, you're really sorry because I saved your life. You know, that's why you feel bad about what you said to me. She's like, no, it was a stupid fight. and We both said things we didn't mean. He's like, I meant everything I said. She's like, come on, Jordan. I thought we were friends. So did I. She's like, okay, uh, good luck at the hospital. And she just goes back inside. It's like, oh my gosh. So he's he's basically mad at her because she's not in love with him. The adults are eating. Lana and John Henry are commenting about how good the wings are. And Clark's like, see, they're known for their wings. Lois like, She's, you know, taking us all, and she's like, this is perfect. She's like, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to face tomorrow, but I feel like I'm ready. She's like, thank you. And Lana's like, who would have thought Pazumas would make me cry? <laughs> so then at the hospital, Lois Clark and the boys arrive. Sam's already there. Lois gets prepped. Clark's at her side, and Lois tells the nurse, she's like, I'm ready. Lana walks into her kitchen texting and she goes to the cupboard and Sarah's like, dishwasher's clean. And that like startles Lana. Like she didn't, she realized that she was there. And she's like, what are you doing here? Why are you up so early? She's like, I I can't sleep. And you can see that she's been crying. So Lana like goes to her and she's like, Jordan hates me. And Lana's like, that's not possible. And Sarah's like, he should because I ruined everything. I messed up my car, our friendship, my whole life. A DOI stays in your record for five years. How am I going to apply to college? And Sarah's like, I don't know, but we'll figure this out together. And she, and Sarah says that, you know, there's nothing to figure out. Her life's basically over and you know, she's never getting out of Smallville. So Lois grabs the phone. And she's like, oh, I'm going to see if Dr. So-and-so or her therapist can see you. And Sarah's like, I don't want to see her. And Lana's like, it's really important to talk this through. So Sarah's like, well, if you want me to see the shrink, fine, but it's not going to undo everything I just did. So Lana's like, now what do I do? So Nat's in her suit and she arrives at Bruno's office and she's looking at this like family picture of, of Bruno, Pea, and Mateo. Then John Henry shows up and he asks, what, you know, what, what's she doing there? And she's like, you tracked my suit? Of course you did. And he's like, are you meeting him? Is he here? And she's like, no, but I was hoping he might be. So John Henry's like, matteo has gone. He made up his, he made his choice. And she's like, it's not that simple. He was just helping his mom. And John Henry's like, he broke the law. What he did wasn't that bad. And he's like, tell that to the DOD or the people in Metropolis who are scared because of what Mateo unleashed into this world. It's like, how can you possibly think that that's okay? You need to just let him go, Nat. She's like, but I still love him. I can't just turn my back on someone because they made a mistake. And he's like, it's not about him. This is about you. If they find Mateo, they're going to send him away to a DOD facility for a long time. And if they don't find him, you're going to be left waiting around for a ghost. It's like, I know what it's like to be stuck in the past, Bug. It's like, I don't want that for you. And she's like, maybe you're right. He says, that happens from time to time. You're like, let's go home, have some pancakes. And so they leave. But then there's like something behind the picture. So it's like, wait, did she leave something behind? Or was there something there to begin with? We find out later. So the surgery team uh, arrives. Sam starts asking questions. He's like, you know, what about aspirations? Like, what if, you know, she she can't breathe during surgery? And, you know, he's he's like panicking and all this like that. Jordan starts getting a little dizzy himself. And he's like, I can't do this. And he walks out. So John goes after him. And then Jordan's like sitting with his knees to his chest in the hall. And he tells John, he's like, "I I can barely breathe. And John tells him, he's like, just take a deep breath. He's just, just hold it. Exhale. He's like, it's not working. So Clark comes out. And he's like, I, I, I can't close my eyes. You know, they're, they're, they're closed, but they're not. And then he, Clark says, you know, more to himself, he's like, x-ray vision's coming in. So Jordan starts freaking. He's like, how do I make it stop? How do I make it stop? And John's like, Jordan, it's time to calm down, okay? He's like, do this for mom. He's like, okay. So, and then John tells him, like, you know, do the breathing thing, you know, again. So this is like what he helped him when he was first getting like powers and his like laser vision, whatever, heat vision. So Bruno says that, Train maybe is ready. I don't again, I couldn't catch if it was a train or a plane. Peya thanks him for never giving up in him, and he's like, Always oh, for forever. So they smooch. Mateo's makes a jokey comment, whatever. And Peya's like, Oh, you better get used to it. And then, then she doubles over in pain. And then there's like a loud, you know, she's it's she's, uh, and it's hurting all their ears. And and like the the noise like carries in the hospital. A nurse is like, What was that? Paya like screams and then power goes out to the hospital. It like flickers back on and then off. Sam's like, the power's out across the city, you know, with the internet and the phone lines. The hospital has generators, they're shielded, but half of them are still out. So the Mannheim's, you know, they must be nearby. So he says that he has to call John Henry, meet him at the DOD and try to get ahead of whatever this is. So Lois is like, you know, she's like, Paya knows that today's my surgery. You know, we talked about it. So Sam's like, do you think Paya's trying to hurt you? And Lois is like, no, if she wanted to kill me, she could have, this is something else. So, you know, first the surge and now this. Clark, he's like, Do you think Pei is losing control? And Lois is like, I don't think Bruno's cure worked. So Bruno tells Mateo, that she just needs another dose of the cure. So he's asks her, He's like, Where are the vials? And they're like, he's like, They're in cold storage on the train. He's like, Well, get them. Lana goes to Kyle's and said that they need to talk. And he tries saying, Not now, but she's like, Yes now. And she like comes into his apartment. She sees the place is a mess. She's like, Are you and Chrissy in an argument? And she's like, You know what? Whatever. Never mind. She's like, Sarah's in trouble. And he's like, well, that's what happens when you get a DUI. And she's like, well, you just listen to me. There's something really wrong with Sarah, and I need your help. And so now he's starting to take it serious. He's like, okay, just tell me, you know, what can I do? So Lana's like, she was up all night. She's spiraling about the car, about Jordan. It's like, I haven't seen her like this, not since. He's like, okay, okay. He's like, we should go. But it's like, where is she? Like, who's with her? Jonathan gets Jordan some water, and he's, he's like, you're acting like something terrible happened. And Jordan's like, it did. He's like, how are you not stoked about x-ray vision? Jordan says, well, it came at a bad time. And John's like, you know what happens when I'm in a bad spot? Nothing. I don't get superpowers. You should consider yourself lucky. So Jordan says, he's like, well, what happens like, you know, during mom's surgery and you can't shut it off? Or, you know, whatever. He's like, you just need to chill. He's like, this is why your powers come at bad time. You just need to Relax. So generators are online. If Lois was ready to go, Clark's like, maybe we should just reschedule. And Lois, is like, it took too much, you know, to get her there. She's like, for good or bad, it's like, we have to make this work. Mr. Kerr returns with the vials. Bruno injects Peya, and she, then she says she's better, but then ah, ah, And Bruno's like, I, I could fix this. He's like, get me another vial. And as Kerr moves, Peya's like, no. And <laughs> And then she accidentally obliterates Kerr. It's just like a smear on a wall. It's like, holy crap. Mateo's like shot, his like jaws dropped. Then he like heads for the stairs. He's like, I'm gonna get you some some help. And Peo's like, he's like, oh, you, you know, he says, Bruno, she's like, you went too far. He's like, I didn't want any of this. Bruno's like, you just need more to cure. She's like, it's over. You know, you have to stop. And you know, you can't save me. She has another scream and the place is like starting to shake and like cave in a little bit. Cause they're like underground somewhere. Clark gives Lois a, a kiss. He's like, you got this. And then the boys are like, oh, we love you, and everything. He's like, we'll be here when you wake up. So she gets wheeled away, and you know, like her bed gets wheeled away. Clark tells the boys that he needs to check in at the DOD. You know, Will they be okay there? And they're like, yeah. So Superman tells Sam that Lois went to surgery. Sam's like, what? She what? And he's like, it was her choice. You know, They say that Manheim's must still be in Metropolis, or at least Pea is. Mateo's in the office trying to call someone, but the phone lines are down. He mutters something about, he's like, oh, come on, you got to work or something like that. And then the box thing behind the picture starts talking. Identity confirmed. He picks it up and then Nat lands on the balcony. And he's like, Nat, are you here to arrest me? She's like, what? She's like, no, I was worried sick about you. And he's like, it's my mom. Something's wrong with her. He's like, you know, I, I didn't know. My dad told me it would work. And now, he, you know, he won't even listen to me. And then Bruno and some goons come in and he's like, get away from my son. And the goons pulled guns on her. It's like, okay, she's wearing her armor suit. It's probably bulletproof. It's like, you're gonna start shooting and they'll probably ricochet and hit your kid. Kyle and Lana are at the diner with Sarah. And he's like, you know, this is gonna be tough, but we have to talk as a family. And Lana's like, your father and I are worried about you. And Sarah's like, yeah, I'm worried about me too. Kyle says that he knows what it's like to make a mistake that feels like the end of the world. And Lana's like, he's not just talking about the affair. Kyle's like, my problem started back when I was your age and I started drinking. She's like, dad, I'm not an alcoholic. He's like, I know that's not what this is about. It's about the sadness. He's like, for a while, it felt like my life was one bad decision after another. I lost your abuelita when you were young and I couldn't keep up with school. The only time I didn't feel like a complete screw up is when I was drinking, ironically. And then I made the worst decision of all and it cost me dearly. That's when I knew I hit rock bottom. And she's like, I don't even know if I'm at rock bottom. It, you know, it's scary to think that you know, things could get worse. So Kyle's like, the only one who gets to decide where you are is you. Truth be told, sometimes I feel like I'm still falling, but I look at the ground beneath my feet and I know I'm here on this earth. To help my town, to be your dad, it helps me you know, through it every time. And she's like, yeah, but I don't know what I wanna do. He's like, well, for starters, you can just put down what you don't need. Your fears, your guilt. Replace that with something that gives you purpose, something that gives you a sense of responsibility, something like a, and he points to help wanted, you know, sign waitress in, in the window. She looks at him. She's like, seriously? He's like, baby steps. It's a long journey, but you got to start somewhere. Bruno says, you know, he's like, i only say it one more time. Step away from my son. And Nat's like, you don't understand. I'm here to help. Then John Henry's hammer flies in, takes out the two goons, which okay luck i guess luckily or whatever doesn't take out bruno but that would have been nice to see john swoops in he grabs bruno like catches his hammer with his other hand so tough guy bruno's like what are you gonna do kill me do it show the kind of man you really are nat like calls out to him mateo goes by bruno's like like he's begging he's like my mom needs help john lets a go of bruno he's like where is she neither one applies he's like look I know how this feels. You don't have much time. So stop wasting it, fighting me. Let us help you." And then there's like another vibration, like the whole place is shaking now. is going through like the underground tunnels, like kind of like subway or tunnels. She makes the street level. Everyone's panicked, they're covering their ears. At the hospital, the place is shaking. Like one of the surgery team, whatever, is like, oh, we can't stop now. And in the waiting room, John's like, is mom okay? Jordan uses x-ray vision. He's like, yeah, for now. At the DOD, Superman's listening. He's like, got her. Takes off. People are like writhing on the ground. Pea struggles to stand. Superman arrives. He's like, scans her. And she's like, stay away from me. He's like, let me help you. And she's like, you can't. No one can. She bends over again, she unleashes a big time like wave, sends Superman flying back. Bruno, and Mateo, they go out on the balcony. They see Superman. Superman almost like smacks into him. He like flies through the air, then he flies back. So she's like, pretty far from them so you see he flies back over there and then bruno's kind of like frozen just watching mateo tries getting him to do something then he goes in that and he asks her to fly him to her that's like you can't be near her right now it's like you'll die she's like i'm sorry bruno turns around and then he like motions mateo to him for like a hug john is just like standing there watching then bruno's like can superman do anything and john's like i don't know lois is like she's you know shaking everything they're trying to do the surgery A tank is about to tip over in the room. Jordan happens to look with x-ray vision at the right moment. He sees it, like, tipping over. So it's, like, probably oxygen. Could it explode? I don't know, maybe. He zooms in, sets it up, and zooms back into the waiting room. And, like, the one of the nurses, like, barely notices, like, the door closed. But Paya's is in pain. Superman flies back. Sam tells him that if he doesn't get her out, she's going to take out the whole block. And then, you know, she tells him that it hurts and he's like, you know, concentrate on my voice. And he's like struggling just to like stand. He's like, it's okay. You know, they wouldn't want you to suffer. It's okay to let go. So he goes to her while she's like crouches into ball and he's like holding her and she whispers something in his ear. He flies her up. Bruno and Mateo can like see them in a the distance. They go up in the clouds cause it's pretty like overcast and then whoosh, and the clouds kind of swirl up and then like they clear out and you can see a like, blue sky and you see, Superman, like flying back down with Pea in his arms. He flies to the balcony, like sets her down. Bruno, Matteo go to her, they're like crying. Super Superman somberly says, she wanted me to tell you she'll love you both forever and always. And Bruno just like nods at first. I thought he's like, you did this or something, but he, he knew that Superman was doing whatever he could. So they just continue crying and then Nat and John hold hands. Clark and the boys are in the waiting room. Nat hugs Mateo on the balcony. Bruno's still holding Paya. John's just like staring at them. Sarah gets a job application. DoD soldiers are congratulating each other. It's like you did absolutely nothing. Sam gets a text, you know, still waiting. Uh, Doc comes out to them. Lois wakes up in her bed. She sees Clark and the boys. She says she feels like a toy doll that's been broken and put back together, but she's glad it's over. Clark says that he's proud of her and she asked about the tremors. And he mm-hmm. says that she was right about Paya, that the cure didn't work. John said that, you know, she lost control of her powers. Jordan says it was like Metropolis's version of the big one. Then she's like, how did you stop her? And Superman's like, I didn't have to. She's like, what happened? He's like, Lois, what happened? Superman's like, in the end, or Clark, he's like, in the end, I was the only one that could get to her. So I told her it was okay to let go. I tried to make those last moments as easy as possible. And Lois is like, I'm glad she had you there. At the diner, Sarah gets a uniform and she like to her parents, she's like, they really need to update these things. They're so 1950s. And Kyle's like, it's a Smallville icon. Lana's like, okay, just wait in the car. I'll be right there. She thanks Kyle for doing this. He's like, of course. He's like, I mean, if, if my mistakes can help her even a little bit, then I guess something good came from them. And then she's like, I think you should take your own advice. He's like, I'm not sure I follow. And she's like, "Yeah, you do." He goes to the Gazette. He's like, "Okay, so look, I've been working on being a better man, and I think I've been making progress. But sometimes I'm a jackass." He's like, "But you're right. I overreacted." And she's like, "I knew you'd figure it out sooner or later. You may be a jackass, but you're not an idiot." And she's like, "How about you come over here and make it up to me?" "Yes, ma'am." Spooch. Sam and John are John Henry are in an interrogation room with Bruno and Mateo. Sam says that he thinks it's time to talk next steps for both of them. Then Bruno's like, I'll tell you everything in exchange for Matteo's charges being dropped. And he's like, Dad, what are you doing? He's like, I'm taking responsibility for my actions so you can live the life you deserve. And he looks at John Henry. He's like, promise me my son will be looked after. And John's like, you have my word. And then Bruno's like, and I know exactly what kind of man you are. Because he knows that John's a good man, that he's, he means it. And then to Sam, he's like, So do we have a deal? And Sam just nods. And Nat was watching from the other side of the like the, the mirror thing. Lois fell asleep in bed, so Clark takes off her glasses, but she wasn't fully asleep. She's like, Oh, it's like this is like the best white gloves service, whatever. And he's like, Nothing but the best for you. He like slowly likes next to her and she's kinda you know in pain. So just it's, it's, he's barely moving to bed, but you know, she's in pain. It hurts. And he stares at her and she's like, What? And he's like, You amaze me. She's like, I was unconscious. You were the one out there saving Metropolis. And he's like, seeing pay at the end, knowing that's what you've been fighting this whole time. It just really hit home. And she's like, well, I could have made it through the surgery without you. He's like, we make a pretty good team. Then in the rubble of the train tunnels, bizarro Superman's awake, he starts screaming, his eyes glow blue, and that's the end of the episode. Two episodes left. But it, there's no episode next week. So June 20th is the next episode. And Lex Luthor is going to get freed from the confession, I guess. Let's hope and pray there's a season after this. With Silo, Season 1, Episode 6, The Relic. Oh, I guess I should mention where I'm at in the book. <laughs> so there is something that may or may not be a spoiler for the book, depending on, on how... Closely leader and stick to it because I, I, I may have mentioned, I think I've mentioned, I I don't remember what I've said last time in the book. So the book starts off with Holston with, with the sheriff already going out. We don't see the whole thing with Allison. We don't even see his wife and all, all that. She's, she has already gone out. So it's the book pretty much starts where the sheriff decides he's going to go out and he doesn't choose Juliet to replace him in the book. Marnes chooses her they ha- ha- he comments to the mayor to mayor johns that she had helped him and holston on a case or, you know before and i guess he's like so like in the beginning she was was thinking that that he had a crush on her or something like that marns it because you there, there's a lot more You get a better sense of of the mayor and the deputy, like having feelings for each other, because you know they've had a past. They're friends. I think she was married to his his best friend or something like that. So there's a lot more uh, of that building up on their journey. That so, I mean, the book is pretty cool. Let me just just say that. So, but it's interesting that that it was a deputy that, that that chose her and. That, that kind of takes away a little bit because in the show with with the sheriff appointing you know suggesting that adds a little more credibility to it, and in the book and I feel like I'm spoiling the book, but when they they pass by it, Bernard Bernard's a bigger jerk than than um than he is in the show because he had already offered the job to to Billings, and and the mayor's like dude. It's like, I'm, we're on our way down to talk. And he's like, you can't hire her or whatever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and the mayor makes a point, you know, cause he really has like, he has a job offer that Bernard has this prepared, like on a sheet of paper and paper is scarce in, in the silo, obviously. So he has this, uh, you know, offer for the mayor to sign. She's like, well, I will consider it, but I, you know, want to go meet, you know, offer to Juliet, or whatever first. So when she takes the form, she like purposely like folds it, puts a crease in it. And it kind of makes Bernard cringe on the way back up. He's like pissed off at them. And he, he like w- won't even sign the form. Cause I guess he, for whatever reason in the, the pact that the head of it has to uh, sign off on, on this as well. So he has another dude sign the the job offer to Julia to make it official. He has some dude named Lucas. And Lucas is a dude that's hanging out in the cafeteria, but I don't think that Lucas works in IT. And it's interesting in the book, Marnes is like, just get Sims to fill up their water, give them whatever food they need to get, get it back up to where they belong and out of here. He's just like so rude about it. So it almost feels like Bernard could be involved with the mayor's death. In the book marnes doesn 't die right away i think we're <laughs> i 'm trying to think where we're at' <laughs> he hasn't died and'm in, 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 pretty sure he hasn't died and yeah he hasn't died yet in the show and he's or he's already dead um <laughs> so it really looks like Bernard was involved and then there's also sims if Sims but what why would Sims be filling the water so we haven't really seen sims i'm and i 'm online i don't even, i, I should have grab my where i'm at I think i'm like on chapter thirteen. But uh, the big spoiler. So now Juliet is is a sheriff. Where I'm, I'm at in the book, and I th- again, I think I'm like on thirteen or fourteen or fifteen. I forget what chapter I'm on. And Marnes is still there, but he's just like so focused on on the mayor. And it, it it jumps to one point when he gets. I think it's like part three of the book. Someone else is is headed outside, and it's like what. What What is going on? so I don't know if that's going to happen so I, I won't spoil that and and this is one one of the things that I was hesitant about listening too much in the book because like I, I'm not really clear on what happened to Holston when he went out there. You know we, we got a little bit more, but not I don't know if he's alive or dead at this point in the book, and so someone else decides to go out there, so i I have a feeling like that's how they might end the season or maybe not. I have honestly have no idea. So slight spoiler. Hopefully, it's <laughs> not a big deal. So episode six, going back to the TV show, and there's more than one book, as as far as I know. So it starts off. Juliet is is thinking about like her intimate time with George. She's trying to get into Trumbull's apartment with with Paul Billings, and she gets tired of waiting for a locksmith to open. So she just used like a crowbar. The power has been cut already because I guess Judicial decided to cut it. And then as they're looking around, Billings finds the Pez dispenser and he doesn't know what it is. So somehow Juliet must have gotten there earlier and planted it. So then it goes back to the flashback. Jules is looking at the Pez dispenser. George is smiling and she's like, what are you smiling at? And and she mentions that they call him Creepy George. And they she's like, like they've scratched it on the side of the generator. Beware of Creepy George. He's so creepy. You know, she, obviously she's joking. He's like, you've never allowed generator graffiti. And second, if it said creepy computer guy, I might have believed you. So she asks, it, she's like, am I your only friend? And she, cause she knows that, you know, she's down here, but is she his only friend in the entire silo? Cause that's pretty sad. And he's like, no, it's pretty great. Then he asks if she wants to keep the dispenser. And she, she asks, you know, does she does she want to risk going to prison or being sent down to mines for one of these strange toys? And she's like, no. So he said, well, they already, you know, broken the supply together so she could have her precious tape. And she says that that was necessary and he did nothing. He's like, Hey, 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 she's like, okay. Yeah. You drew a map, a really poopy map, but I did everything myself, including throwing bacon at dogs running like crazy. And he's like for a roll of tape. She's like that tape saves lives. Okay. So this is interesting, you know, we get more about that. And also what's what's interesting is, I think, you know, as they as mentioned the mines here, but the, obviously the mines, that's where they have to get the oil from and, and you know, stuff. So you, you don't really think about that. I don't think they've really gone into detail here. So she said that she took the risk not for herself, but for everyone. And, you know, these strange toys that he has, they're just not worth risking a life for, especially when he doesn't even know what, they're, what they are. Then he's like, if these things aren't worth risking our lives for, why do they make it a risk to our lives to have them? And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, Neither do I. These things were used by someone for something at some point as tools. He's like, I'm going to use them as tools. And I'm not, uh, and not all of these things are illegal, by the way. And he brings out his watch. He says that it may not be as valuable as a refurbished socket wrench or as romantic as flowers from the mids, but to him, it's everything he's like, and I want to give it to you. She looks at it and shakes it. She's like, George, it's broken. She, she says it's like a paperweight, you know, cheaper than the paper it hold, would hold. He says that it's a gift and things like the watch and other relics could be the key to answering Silo's biggest question. And she says, okay, no more talking. You know, Back to smooching or whatever. So then she's lying in bed and she's looking at the watch. She gets up, she gets dressed, she leaves for work. We see the, the flowers. So there's flowers in her apartment. Because they're just sitting here. I don't know who they're from. Are they from her dad? Is it from the mayor? I don't know. if I think there might have been a car, but I don't think we saw it. So then someone is putting up a sign for forgiveness holiday. It, and it says, like, in the spirit of goodwill, community, and commerce, citizens are encouraged to let go of past grievances, travel beyond familiar levels, to see old friends, to give gifts, spend credits in the marketplace, and, and stuff like that. At her desk, she types in a, a relic database, like yellow plastic, blue handle. And, but it, it says peasant aside. She didn't put that. But in a few seconds, the computer's like insufficient data. Then Paul comes in. He's like, you didn't take that to judicial? And he has a note that a porter brought from recycling. And he says, like, keeping an illegal relic beyond a 12-hour window from discovery to judicial handoff is a serious crime. So she looks at the note, says, didn't find what you were looking for. I'll let you know if that changes. So she's asked she's like how do you know it's illegal She's like clause 75a-11 an investigation to relics may be conducted by either the sheriff or the judicial department when the and then he's like when the identified relic is associated with a serious crime she's like well I'd say murder qualifies Bill and he's like, did you read the next paragraph That's only with judicial approval if you want a relics investigation you have to see Judge Meadows. She says that she hears that a lot. (laughs) So she's like, why not tear out the pages of the pact and leave one that says, see Judge Meadows? He like scoffs. She's like, you've talked to her, right? He says that, you know, she passed through the office when he was at judicial. But these days, even when you like win the pact competition, it's Sims who gives out the pin. She's like, there's a competition for knowing the pact. He's like, I won it four times more than anyone else. She's like, of course you did. He's like, but I was just a judicial regular. You're the sheriff. If you want to meet with Meadows, that's another thing entirely. So they head down to judicial and they're met by Sims. Meadows tells Juliet that she's not feeling well, so let's make this quick. Juliet says that she's here about the investigation in Trumbull. And Meadows like, I thought that was settled. And Sims like, it is. And the, and Juliet's like, well, this was found about ten hours ago by Deputy Billings on a search we did with Deputy Karen's. And she's like, or he's like, Sims is like, where? Billings says it was in Trumbull's apartment in the bathroom, sir. And she's like, I'd like to conduct a relics investigation as a way to identify possible offenders like Trumbill before they have a, a chance to act. Judge. She's like, the, the pack says that the gateway to disruptive criminal activity often starts with, unli-, and then she's like, unlicensed documents and relics, I know. But this relic, what is it? And Julie's like, I don't know. That's why I want to look into it. Sims like, this didn't belong to Trumbill. I don't care where you found it. It isn't his. Are you are aware that we have files on every relic found in the last 140 years. She's like, yeah, but I looked into the database and, and then Sims cuts her off. I wasn't saying we, meaning all of us. I mean, we, as in a judicial, we have a far more extensive catalog of information. For example, that watch you wear on your wrist, in judicial, we know, I know that that particular item, despite being in your possession, is currently registered to a now deceased, George Wilkins, a man you claim was murdered. So why does judicial have all this access and the sheriff department doesn't? It seems kind of... If they're upholding the law, but their stuff is being withheld from them, seems kind of crazy. So she's like, accidents happen and Sheriff Becker made me realize that Wilkins' death was one of them. That's why I'd like to open this investigation so we can know those things that are not in your catalog. Like the fact that your very close colleague, Douglas Trumbull, was a murderer. Meadow's like, Sheriff Nichols. And then Sim's like, judge, if I may. She's like, you may. And so Sim's like, a relics investigation is actually a smart play. Especially today, with the forgiveness holiday, people will be more inclined to turn over items without facing legal jeopardy. So, I'm fine with it. As long as you take Paul with you, you probably know less of the pack than my son does. You'll need a specialist with you at all times, creating a list. Every offense, every relic, and the names of who has what. And she's like, yeah, of course. So, Sims is kind of rude to her, but he, I guess he feels she's beneath him because he's in judicial. So, they leave. Billings... Like, what's the plan? She says that he heads back up and she'll see him in an hour. He says that, you know, with Sims taking interest, Judicial will be watching her everywhere she goes, every level. So either his guys or the whispering friends at a silo, and they could be anybody. So, like it or not, he's like, today I'm with you all the way. Julia's like, I know a guy who's been busted for relics and he owes me, a, he owes me one. So let's go. She knocks on a door and Patrick Kennedy opens. He's like, fudge me, who would I kill this time? She's like, I've got a relic question, and then he's like, for someone at this address. She's like, are you coming out or are we going in? So he shuts the door and he comes out, and he's like, I don't know what Marnes told you about me, but I'm a simple man. I paint walls. That's how I make my living. I don't deal in illegal relics. She holds up her watch, so then she's like, who do I see about legal ones? He shrugs, looks across the way. He looks at this dude in the balcony. At first, I was like, that guy involved, or is it he's just worried about someone listening? And he's like, I don't deal anymore, especially with things like that. And Billings says like a watch, and he says a working watch. So like, and he's like, who the fudge are you? So Billings introduces himself as new deputy sheriff, and he's like, like I give a fudge. And he like walks away. So they follow him around a corner, and he says that he doesn't know what she's looking for him to do because he feels that no matter what he says or doesn't say, she's gonna arrest him. And she's like, no, not on forgiveness, Holiday. And he's like, B.S. He's like, if you don't today, you'll put my name on a list you know put put together by judicial face here. Then what? I like that he called him judicial face. And he was like, one day out of nowhere, there's a knock on my door or maybe just a sheriff with a crowbar. And she's like, you know what? This sheriff is the only reason you're not in jail. This is not about you. We're looking into relics. He comments how it's weird that she's investigating with a watch on her wrist and not in an evidence bag. That means that it must be personal. And people with badges doing things for personal reasons tend to get other people hurt. She just replies, So you're giving us a name? Or are we leaving with yours? He suggests that she give him the watch and, and he tries to sell it. If he does, he'll give her the name of the person who he sold it to. So then she's like, Well, how about this? And she leaves and then he calls out to her and he's like, I need you and Holston Jr. to stop showing up here, okay? And he's like, There's only one name that I can give you without destroying my livelihood. And she's like, As a painter? He's like, as a man who's had his family destroyed by this fudging BS. So Sims is at his desk. He's like fiddling with like the Pez dispenser. He types on a computer, dispenser, comma, toy, comma, orange, comma, plastic. There's a grainy picture of it that comes up. Object 1175, origin, pre-silo, location found, unknown. Then there's like this vault closet thing behind his his like desk, whatever. He goes in there, he grabs a ledger. and And there's also like these other like pocket like pouches drawer things with like i don't know if there's other relics in there or what juliet and billings they head down some levels then there's a flashback to juliet and george down below he says that something about people leaving traces and he asks if she ever thinks about the world beyond the silo she's like no when would i have time to do that he's like even now i'm worried some idiot is tightening the wrong bolts or misreading the pressure valve so there's like more chit chat and she says you know she's the one who keeps things running for dreamers like him and she holds out the watch He's like, this must have taken you hours. And she's like, yeah, time I don't have. He's like, why? Because when you talk about these things, something ignites in you. And I can see it on your face. I don't see that in, on a lot of people. But she says that it was selfish reason because she really likes the way it feels when she makes him feel the way he does. So he asks, you know, how does she get it working? And she says it was easy when she made the right tools. So she fixed a broken watch. But the fact that she had to make her own tools to fix it because it's so small, you know, for whatever reason, the the people, the silo, whoever, they don't want people having small tools, just like the magnifying things. So there's this lady with a cat. She gets a knock on the door. She opens it up. And there's like a tray of food, and she's like hesitant, and she kind of looks around as she goes to close the door. Juliet and Billings pop out before the door closes, and Juliet's like Regina Jackson, and she like invites him in. So Juliet looks at the room, and Regina's like. Never thought I'd see that again, referring to the watch. And Julie's like, "Do you know it?" And she's like, "Of course I do. It belonged to my boyfriend." She's like, "What?" Sims turns to the Pez dispenser page and this ledger thing. The 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 doc mentions Pez, and on the next page is an interview log with someone named Lionel Nelson. He flips to the back, and it's someone identified George Wilkins as a relic holder. So this is not good. Because Sims knows that Wilkins had the Pez dispenser. And if Juliet has a watch from Wilkins and she's looking into his murder and now the Pez dispensers in Trumbull's apartment, which she did plant there. Regina's like, so how is George? And Juliet's like, he's dead. He fell off the stairs a few months ago. So it se- I thought it was more than a few months, but at least now we we have an idea like how much time p- passed by. Or you know, but a few months, it sh- she could be exaggerated. or re- some. I don't know whatever. So Regina is like silent for a moment. Then she says, "Either of you know George, or is the watch is something you found?" And Julia's like, "No, I worked with him before I became sheriff." And Regina's like, "A mechanical?" He and she's like, "Yeah." More silence. Billing jumps in. Miss Jackson, are you in possession of any relics legal? And she's like, last time I saw him, that's where he was headed. Moving on to the next thing, the next person. So she's like, she's figured out that he hooked up with Juliet. And she's like, no, I don't have any relics, not anymore. Anything I had, and there was a lot I got for him. Then she's like, somebody give you my name? Happens a lot, but I'm no dealer. George had me buying things for him. He had no one, so he used me to get things. Paul starts asking if they were Uh, you know, all legal or then Julie's like, was your relationship sanctioned? And she's like, George didn't do sanctioned relationships. And any fool could, would see that he's not the type a guy that you would spend forever with. And then the Billings, she's like legal. Sure. I guess. But how does anyone know? And billing's like, you ask he's, she's like, I walk into a law enforcement agency and ask if the item I now possess is an illegal possession. She's like, seems like I'm making it easy for, for you. Or for them, or whatever. Then Julia's like, Did you see or hear from him after he went down to Mechanical? Regina's like, You ask a lot of questions. She's like, Look, Sheriff, George went down to Mechanical to explore what he called the big questions illegal questions. He got what he wanted from me. He didn't need me anymore. So he left, probably in pursuit of someone new down deep who would give him a hand. So she seems to be really pushing that, like, George is a, is a dog. Or is she like trying to figure out? if he and a sheriff were together. It's like, it's not really clear. Can we believe what she's saying? where he even, you know, was he even her boyfriend or is she lying about that? So Billing's like, what illegal questions are we talking about? And then she's like, I've been over this time and time again with judicial. It's like those aunts and uncles I told you about, cause she said she had all these relatives or whatever. She's like, so, um, so did they. And then she's like, George cost me a lot. He lost his family, but didn't mind isolating me from mine. You know, he was good with words and there's like awkward silence. Then Billing's like, thank you for your time, Miss Jackson. If you have any questions, we can, and she's like, I do. When he told you he loved you, did you believe him? Juliet just like stares at her and then Billing like swoops in. He's like, thank you. As they walk out, Paul's like, there's no way that woman was all there, right? Her place is like like the junk room at, at recycling and the smell of that cat food. And he's like, you all right? And she's like, yeah, I'm great. So, obviously, she's bothered by this, which, you know, who, you, you can't blame her. More memories of them lying together, because, you know, now she's wondering, was, was he really a dog? Was, she, was he using her? You know, did he move on to the next thing to try to get what he wanted to get, answer these questions? So, she's, like, toying with her badge in her, her office. Billings knocks. So, then Sim says to everyone out there, he's like, we need a room. So Bernard is there too. Sim says to Juliet, he's like, there's an interview with a confidential informant that indicates the relic you brought in earlier was an illegal possession belonging to your colleague, George Wilkins. And she shrugs. She's like, I don't understand. Bernard says, according to judicial records, a search was conducted at Wilkins' place before he died. In that search, they found nothing. And then he's like, but last night, Wilkins' relic mysteriously appeared in Trumbull's apartment as a result of a search coordinated by you. So Julia's like, first time I ever saw that relic was last night in Trumbull's place when Billings showed it to me. And then he's like, wait. And she's like, Sims, George and I were friends beyond this watch. And he's like, oh, beyond that? She's like, I never received anything from him, especially something as ridiculous as that thing. So Bernard's like, I have a question for Mr. Sims. On the day judicial searched George Wilkins' apartment, was Trumbull a member of the search team? And Sims like, Mayor, the name of judicial search team members are strictly confidential. You know that. I am in no way required to reveal that information to the sheriff's department or to the mayor's office. And he's like, but if Trumbull was on a search team, is it even slightly possible that he simply thought that the artifact was a harmless curio and decided to take it home for himself? And Sim's so like, you want me to entertain hypothetical? I'm not going to do that. So then he's like, theoretical. It is possible, Yes. And he's like nothing. He's like in your search. Did you find anything to explain why Trumbull would want to murder Marnes and Johns? And she's like no, not yet. I. And then Bernard's like no. As far as anybody knows, Marnes and Johns died of a heart attack brought on by walking the silo. So any further investigation might expose the truth, and that could prove destabilizing. Not everyone believes this, but I think some mysteries are best left unsolved. Mr. Sims. So they walk out. Sims isn't happy. Juliet thanks Billings for not telling him about her and George. And then he asks if she planted that relic so he'd find it. And she says nothing. He's like, your decision could have got me jailed or even you know, sent to clean. She's like, I wouldn't have let that happen. He's like, you brought up my name with them just as soon as they came to you. I have a family, a wife, a baby. And she's like, I know having some judicial-minded deputy who lives by every letter to pack can be annoying. But you have to be honest with me. Honest. As if not only your life, but mine depended on it. And she's like, I'll try. You'll try? She's like, yeah, that's what I can do. She gets him to go back to her office. And he's like, Juliet, you're the sheriff of the silo and you can't commit to being honest with me? He's like, shoot, maybe you and this George were perfect for each other. And she's like, you want honesty? He's like, I do. She's like, your hands shake. You have flashes of pain. Under pressure, you clench your hands so tight. I'm surprised your fingers don't fall off. You have the syndrome and you're not hiding it. So deputy, by living the letter of the pact, you know it's a crime what you're doing, not reporting yourself. He's like, I do. And she's like, and according to the pact, you're in no way qualified to be in a position of authority, to have access to a firearm, to detain criminals, to even be a deputy in this department. And he's like, there's a way to do this. And what you're doing now is not it. She's like, you called me dishonest. He's like, I did not. No, no. He's like, I only asked you to be honest, and if you weren't going to be, to let me know rather than set me up to take the fall. Everybody in the office says that the reason Holston and Marnes were a great team was because they looked out for each other. And she's like, and look where that got them. And he's like, good night, Sheriff. And he walks you know, down the stairs. At the cafeteria, Lucas calls out to her. He's like, how was your day? And she's like, I've had better. And she's like, no lights tonight. He mentions that his mom said that you shouldn't give up on a day, even at the end of it, because the whole day could, could be saved with just a smile. And she's like, Lucas, you've never had a girlfriend, have you? And he's like, tons. And she's like, not one. And he's like, so many, like every other level. And he's like, every other level, there's another lady friend. She like smirks and nods. And then he's like, I am there, see? She's like, there, see what? He's like, smile. Like my mom said. She's like, this was not you with you. This was at you. He's like, I'll still take it. So she noticed that he doesn't have his slate. And he says that a cafeteria worker on his level said that it was going to be cloudy. And she's like, and you came up anyways? He's like, yeah, to see you. And she's like, wow, that's terrible. Wow. He's like, that's a good line. She's like, I didn't think it could get worse, but you found a way. And he's like, okay, well, you're still smiling. So whatever. She's like, okay, I'll take care. And he's like see you tomorrow sheriff and she doesn't answer so it's kind of sweet i like this guy billings comes home he's greeted by his wife um i think her name is kath and and the baby he takes hold of the kid she asks, how was his day and then she notices his hands shaking so she you know offers a to take take the baby back and she asks if he took uh, the ginger root that she gave him and he says he couldn't because he wasn't alone all day and she's like oh you know does the sheriff finally trust you and he's like, he says that he doesn't think that she's a trusting type. He starts taking off his boots, and he like stops to flex his hand. He asks um, his wife if it's happened yet, and he signs in Claire. And she's like, you know, it doesn't work that way. Just because you have it doesn't mean that she will. He says that he worries, and she says, you know, just worry about fixing himself right now and just get some sleep. You know, he says he's thankful for her. He can't imagine life in a silo if he was all by himself. So Juliet's sitting on her bed, then she thinks back to George, you know, big question. And he says that there are lots of them, you know, like what's outside, what's beyond, you know, what the sensor can see, why are we here, how long we've been here, how much time do we have left? And she's like, but what's the biggest one? He's like, what if everything you know to be true, everything you've been told by the people you love was in fact just one big lie? And I think that's, like, the big focus of of the show, of, like, the silo. So she decides to to walk about. She calls Walk on the radio. And she's like, it's time to come home. And Walk's like, yeah? She's like, yeah, in the morning, I'm going to do what you said. I'm going to turn in the badge. And she's like, so you figured out what happened? And she's like, no, I couldn't give a fudge. Turns out the person I was doing it for wasn't worth the trip. So, and Walk's like, so did you leave here and go all the way up top for him or cause it was the right thing to do. She's like, it's just a waste of time. And walks like, Time? You've got no concept of time. You think that you do, but you don't. It's cause you still have a whole lot of it, you know, ahead of you than behind. You know, time to you is just an idea. To me, it's years spent trapped here behind a closed door with memories of all your friends and your loved ones somewhere out there on the other side of it. You can talk to me about time when you can't bring yourself to step out the door. And Juliet's like He's not the person I thought he was. And she's like, well, what kind of person are you? The man you loved was murdered. And now you're saying it's a waste of time to find out why. It's like, I don't know what happened. But when you left here, love had you trying to do the right thing. And now anger is making you give up. Fear did the same thing to me. And that is a waste of time. It's like, you're welcome to come here and join me. Or you can stay where you are. Let go of whatever it is you're wrestling with and finish the job. It's your call. And a walk just turns off the radio. And she looks at a picture of her, like in it, some dude. Juliet then goes and knocks on Regina's door. And she says that she's going to be honest with her now. And Regina's like, well, what was I before? Juliet's like, you're the confident informant, the rat who gave up George. You're the one who told Judicial about the hard drive. It's because of you, George is dead, Regina. And she's like, just give me a second. She's like, give you a second. And she's like, you come to my door and you accuse me of betrayal? She's like you told judicial about george she's like no not them no she's like judicial come during the day they ask the easy questions but the man who knows everything he comes at night she's like what what are you talking then regina like clips something to a fan and then turns it on she's like one night i wake up and there's a man in my bedroom i can't see anything the lamp's been unplugged and he tells me not to move he wants me to tell him everything to give everyone up not just george and she's a like, Regina, what do you, and she's like, for every one question I wouldn't answer, he'd threaten two people I loved, my friends, my family. If I left the apartment, he'd turn up at night at the foot of my bed in the darkness. He would start recite the names of everyone that I had talked to that day. Everyone I had, if, if I had visitors, she's like, look, I put up these block to, to block up the sounds. I don't know if it works. Even with them, you know, he may hear every word. And she's like, who is he? Who are you talking about? And she's like, they know how to get to you. They know what you fear. She's like, my mother? She's like, every name I gave them was another day that she didn't have to spend in the mines. So yeah, I gave it the names of every relic dealer I knew. She's like, that's why Kennedy gave me your name because he knew judicial already had it. And she's like, well, hopefully they all know so they'll stay away from here. Julia's like, but if you cared for George, and she's like, he only cared about himself. And she's like, hey, George is dead because you gave up his name. And she's like, he is dead because he didn't give up the hard drive. She's like, Regina, what's on the hard drive? And she's like, don't ask. And she whispers, she's like, what's on a hard drive? She's like, I never saw. And he never really cared about me. He used me to get it for him. He probably did the same to you, pretending to love you to get what he wanted. I didn't give him up. Then he gave me something from his mother, the only thing that he kept of hers. And she's like, what did he give you? She's like, these things, these objects, all this stuff, because of it, I, I have nothing. I have no one. Juliet's like, I'm sure the hard drive's been destroyed, so I don't think they're going to disturb you anymore. And she's like, neither will I. So then Juliet moves to leave, and Regina grabs her arm. And like you know, seated, she holds her close to her face. And she's like, hey, what did George give up for the hard drive? You said he gave you something. What is it? So she stands, she's like, it's everything. She's like, I don't think they know it exists. They search and they toss my place. They looked under the mat, but they just toss the damn thing aside. So she opens like hidden pocket under the mat and she pulls out a folder. She's like, this is a gift from George's mother given to him by his aunt, Gloria. This was passed down and hidden for generations. And Julia's like, is this before the rebellion? She's like, this was before the silo before there was a reason to lie. So she hands her the folder. She's like, when you see what you'll see, she's like, don't speak it out loud. Don't let them hear. This will get you killed. So Juliet goes to her apartment. She sits and she looks at the folder. Inside like the front cover is written Gloria and George. And she turns a page and there's a drawing of like a green forest and like in a path. It says Chattahoochee National Forest. And which and I looked it up. That's supposed to be in North North Georgia. The next page is, like, a real photo of, like, people paddling in, like, big rafts down a river. And there's a picture of a dolphin. There's, like, seashells. There's a beach with a sunset. And then the camera pulls back in Juliet's room. And we see her on a monitor. And there's, like, a whole wall of monitor. And two dudes are watching. So she's there's a camera in her room. She's being observed. And other everyone's being observed. So one of the, the dudes there is, like, you have to wake him up. The other's, like, but it's the middle of the night. And the first one's like, I know, but he has to see this now. And then a dude gets up. So this is bad news because Juliet has this crazy book, forbidden book and they know that she has it. They know that she's looking at it. I don't know how much they can see but they, they must be able to see something for them to wake someone up. And are they going to wake up Sims or is there someone else? So this is crazy. Now as you know, by the time you listen to this, the next episode is out. So um, I'm ready to like stop right now and go watch it because I'm, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen. All right, then with American Born Chinese Season 1, Episode 5, Abracadabra. So we're going to do two more episodes. Uh, it starts off, Jin asks Wei Chen what happened to him because he disappeared for like four weeks. And he's like, oh, I can explain everything. So they're in Jin's living room now. They, they went to his, his place uh, so Wei Shen says that after he left him with the, the big toilet paper bear, uh, th- th- the toilet paper bear, they tp it, uh, his staff and the, the Jigu Bang was taken by Niu Muang, who was leading an uprising against the Jade Emperor. So he went back home with his dad for a few hours, even though it's like much longer on earth, but it's okay because he returned to finish his quest and find a fourth scroll, then so, Jin's just like stares at him, you know, after he tells him all this stuff, and he's like, okay, that, that was a lot, and then Wei Shen says that his, his aunt, his auntie Guan Yin, who is Michelle Yao, bought him a new cell phone, he's like, cool, right, and then Jin's mom comes home, or she, or she comes in, and she's like, oh, I didn't know you invited one of your new friends, and then he like stands up, and he, in Mandarin, he's like, how do you do, and he's like, my name is Sun Wei Shen, and in English, he's like, it's like, oh, do you go to school, with Jin? He's like, yeah him and his auntie just moved here recently then in mandarin he's like oh and i like your home and that's a pretty necklace and she's like yeah it's very special she's like i'll show you the companion piece so then like this armoire and this like case thing there's like a different colored one she says that they go together hers is a green jade and the others are orange jade it's like very old and very rare and he's like cool in, in mandarin then she says that she's like oh you should teach you know my son chinese you know he's terrible and then Jin like takes Wei Shen and like kind of guides him to his room. So Wei Shen is like in awe over all of Jin's like figures and manga. And he, he says that his dad told him about a scholar that might be able to help with the fourth scroll. His name is Ji Gong, the mad monk. He was banished from heaven, now lives on earth. So he, and then he sees Jin has a magic kit. He's a, And Jin's like, he's like, oh, that's just a dumb thing I got when I was 12. Wei Shen's like, oh, no, no, show me. So he he does this thing where basically it's like like a sleight of hand you know with a handkerchief he I forget what he had he had something out covers it up and it turns into like this Lego hot dog light flashlight or something like that and Wachen like how'd you do that what are you know. But, but then Jin's like, eh, well, if you have this guy, he's like, why do you, you know, do you do you still need me? And he's like, Wei-Shin's like, you don't want to help me? And Jin's like, he's like no, it's just I don't really see how I fit into this whole thing. He's like, plus, I I have this biology project that I have to do. And he's like, come on, Jin, you're my guide. He's like, I know that from my dream. He's like, right, yeah, let's, just, let's do this. Although, could we come up with something cooler than guide? wei Shen's like, a uh, servant? Then Jin's like, yeah, you're right. You know, guide's better. So they go to this... Uh, Plays with like a little golden temple sign, and there's like two escalators that that lead up. Jin's like, "Are you sure this is it? it looks like a mini mall." And inside, like one of the stores, or there's like a restaurant. There's this dude sitting in a chair reading. Wei Shen asks, "He's like, could that be him?" So he speaks to him in Mandarin, and the guy's like, "Huh?" And he's he's like, "Are you Ji Gong?" And he's like, "No, Larry." He's like, yeah, "You know, try to bar." So they go and they look, look over. There's it's like someone on the floor, I guess, behind the bar. And he's like, table seven needs more napkins. And Jin's like, I think he's drunk. And Wei Shen's like, what makes you say that? And he's like, everything about him. So Wei Shen, you know, tries again. And then he's, he's like, he's like, hello again. The dude jumps up and he's like, hi, we're looking for a scholar whose name is Ji Gong. And he's like, more like Ji, you gone. Hey? And he's like, get out of here. And Jin's like, I don't think there are any Chinese gods here. He's like, I guess I'm not a super good guide. Then the the dude like falls back behind the bar. And Jin's like, I'm going to go work on my bio project now. So Wei Shen is bummed. But Jin says, he's, he's like, well, you know, you have your phone. He's like, text me if you find anything. And, and he's like, you seem very excited about this project. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just really love biology. But the reason he loves biology, because he goes over to Amelia's house. So his dad and er, her her dad and her brother are doing like some VR fencing. Mom has a tray of food and everything like that. The parents insist that Jin call them by their first names: Margie, Ann, and Dennis. Wei Shen sees a symbol on this overturned table, blocking like this door in the back room or something like that. So he like moves the table and goes through. And then there's stairs that lead down, and then there's another symbol like on on the wall that says Mad Monk inside the symbol. So he keeps going down. He enters like this big room. And then that drunk guy is like behind him. And he's like, who are you? He's like, what do you want? And Wei Shen says that he's looking for someone. He's like, well, you're not going to find them. He's like, no one's here, not even me. And he's like, okay, don't come closer. And he's like, why, are you scared? He's like, no, it's your breath. It's really bad. So the dude tries punching, but Wei Shen ducks. And, and then the dude ends up like hitting the wall. Then he like swings with his beer bottle because he's, he's, he is drunk. And Wei Shen like dodges a blow and he fights back and he gets a hold of him. He's like, Ji Gong? And then he like burps in reply. The flight continues. There's more, more like the kind of like the fancy harness like moves where they're like barely they're like leaning back and barely have a foot on the ground or anything like that. Wei Shen says, Ji uh, Gong, is this your disguise? A drunk bum? He's like, maybe. Now now tell me who you are. So he's like, My name is Sun Wei Shen. I think we're searching for the same thing. He's like, the fourth scroll? <laughs> like scoffs. And in English, he's like, You should give up now it's, it's a waste of time And he's like why a million miles i've traveled and it's all led me to this stupid town where you can't even get good pizza so what is here did a crane speak to you too and he's like what a crane and wayshen mama's like uh, in your dreams he's like no then he says all right and he takes wayshen into a back room this other back room in his downstairs room he shows him four paintings on a wall and he says, it wasn't a dumb crane. It was a lot of work. Took a ton of research. He's like, look at these paintings. What do you see? Weishin's like, uh, colors? Uh, colors? He's like, no, you idiot. He's like, everything you need to know about the fourth scroll. And he's like, look, you moron. He's like, okay. So, g he's like my favorite character on the show. <laughs> he's, he just cracks me up. He's like, so he he looks. He's like, okay, I'll explain. So the first one is like red, and it almost looks like a, like a robot face, or maybe it's a monkey face with green eyes. I don't know. So he's like, long ago, uh, uh, Sun Wukong guided a group of pilgrims on a journey from the west. They achieved enlightenment, and the wisdom of the sutra isn't was transcribed into three scrolls: discipline, discourse, and philosophy. But unbeknownst to many, there was a fourth scroll containing the sutra of power. Makes the other scrolls kind of sound kind of dumb, right? Anyways, the legend goes that the Buddha destroyed the fourth scroll and sprinkled his remains like parmesan onto the earthly realm as a way of dispersing absolute power or whatever. So the second painting has like a lot of red scribbles and everything. He's like a little dramatic if you ask me. And then like the the third is has, like, half green and half orange, and looks like there's a lantern. So he's like, over time, two families, once peaceful, grew obsessed with collecting the fragments in the hopes of controlling the territory. Their selfishness led to resentment, which led to deceit, which led to war. He's like, I don't know if you know this, but humans love war. It's like all they ever do. So the Buddha made a proclamation. Only when the warring factions and find harmony will the ultimate power to suture be revealed. So the fourth painting has, like, this big green swirl. Thus, the fourth scroll could be anywhere or anything. could be a rock or a cloud. Weishin's like, a pendant? I said anything, didn't I? What are we going to do? Sit around all day and just name objects? <laughs> then Shen's like, okay, I got to go. He's like, thank you. He's like, wait, that's it? How about nice pictures, man. Thanks for the info. He's like, oh, yeah, amazing painting. Yeah, thank you. I'll make sure my father knows that you helped a lot. Thank you. And a Mandarin, he's like, who's your father? And Weishin's like, the monkey king, Su Wukong. And Ji Gong just like looks confused as Wei Shen leaves. So Amelia is reading over uh, like calculating rest resting heart rates with Jin. They're like outside sitting by the pool. He he gets a call from Wei Shen and just ignores it. And she says that it's like she checked her heart rate. She's like, oh, it's a sixty for me. What'd you get? He's like, well, I must have done it wrong. I got like a hundred and something. And she's like, well, maybe you know my parents stressed you out. You know they stressed me out. He's like, no, they're they're great. And he's like, I feel like your dad wanted to give me a hug. And she's like, Oh, he definitely did. Wei Shen calls again. So Jin goes, He's like, I got to take this. So Wei Shen says that he has good news. And Jin's like, I'm kind of in the middle of something. He's like, Just text me like a normal person. He hangs up. So it turns out Wei Shen is at Jin's and he lies to, his, to Jin's mom and says, Oh, yeah, he'll be back soon. So the mom says, The Mandarin's like, Well, you can stay and wait if you want. You know, she made some tea. And he says, he says that he likes it. So she's like, oh, let me give you some to take home. So, you know, he said he likes her tea and her pendant. Then he asks if he can see the other one again. So she offers to go get it. And then he dumps like most of the tea, like down the sink. And she comes back and says that the one she's wearing is from her family side. And she shows him the other one. Jin's dad comes home and comments, so he's like, oh, it's been a long time since you brought out the other pendant. Wei Shen says that he was just admiring it. And then dad's like, they're a pair. They've been in the family for many generations. She says the way Shen that each side of their family had conflicts before. They lived in different places. And dad says that when they got married, they hired someone to encase dependents together. So she places like the green one in the orange one. They kind of like lock in like together. Then the dad puts them on her and he says this represents them being one family. So he looks at her and says that, you know, he's like, oh, you look nice. And then she like changes the subject and asks like any news at the office. And he like sighs. He's like, not yet. So Jin walks into Amelia's house from from outside, and that Beyond Repair show is on. Margie Ann says, like, oh, Holden, Amelia's brother. She's like, he must have left, left it on, because he's always leaving the TV on. And then she offers a um, put on Amelia's play. She's like, oh, it should be recorded on here somewhere. And Amelia's like, uh, we should get back to studying. And then Margie Ann's like, oh, are you sure? Because you know, he sees that she's like, shake, desperately like shaking her head like like to say no. So he's like, oh, I probably should get back to studying, because he like, wanted to see it. So I don't know what, what was up with that. At Jin, Wei Shen sits with the tea while Jin's mom and her friends are over now for Bible study. He seems kind of bored. You know, They kind of fuss over him a little bit. Then there's a knock on the door. It's Ji Gong. It's like he found him somehow. He tells Wei Shen that he's been looking for him. Back at Amelia's in her bedroom, she apologizes for her mom. He's like, oh no, it's fine. Then he's like, wait, wait, why are you apologizing? She says her mom can be annoying and Jin says that he thought she was actually really nice. Amelia's like, yeah, that's her superpower. You know, she uses it for evil. And he's like, so you're mad at your mom for um, saying too many nice things? She sighs and she, she's like, she thinks she's being positive, but she's really just being fake. And Jin's like, my parents don't really have that problem. Like this morning, my mom told me my earlobes were the wrong shape. And Amelia kind of like looks at his earlobe, but she doesn't say anything. Amelia's like, honestly, I wish you'd just say something harsh to me every once in a while instead of just sugarcoating everything. And Jin's like, yeah, I get that. And she's like, like, say something about my zit. I know you see it. And he's like, what? She's like, my zit. Say something, but be honest. And Jin's like, I think your zit's perfect. She's like, you're really terrible at this. You know that? You're supposed to say it looks like a hot tamale or something. He's like, it it doesn't look like a hot tamale. So they moved out onto the balcony at this point. Margie Ann calls up. She's like, Jin, sweetie, would you like to join us for fajitas? He looks at Amelia for approval. And she's like, okay. He's like, yeah, I'd love to. So he tells Amelia that he should probably call his mom, and she tells him that um, his friend Wei Shen came by and his him and his uncle, and Jin's like his uncle. He doesn't have an uncle. She's like, yeah, he invited everyone out for dinner at his restaurant. She says that she'll send him the address. You know, she's like, they're very. These are very nice people. Don't be rude, okay? And she hangs up. So Jin kind of has no choice. He goes to the restaurant. Ji Gong seems like he's still drunk. He has a mic. There's. It's not really a stage, but it's it's like a karaoke section. He's like, I have a mic and I hear music, but I don't hear any singing. So Wei Shen is at a table with Jin's mom and three of the Bible study friends. She goes up to Jin when he arrives and and he asks her, he's like, are you drunk? And she's like, no. She's like, I shared a beer with with Mrs. Fan, which I don't know if Mrs. Fan is a fan lady from the one flashback episode in heaven. I don't think so, but maybe, you never know. She's like, then I shared a beer with myself. (laughs) So she asks if he's met Wei Shen's uncle, and you know he's like, hi. And Jin's like, yeah, we, we met. And he's like, really? I don't think so. And Jin's like, yep, over there. He's like, I never go over there. <laughs> the ladies are pulled up to sing. Wei Shen tells Jin that he needs to explain. And he says that it was Ji Gong's idea to bring everyone here. And he's like, the drunk busboy dude? That's Ji Gong? And Wei Shen's like, yeah, he's it's just a disguise, but I think... And he sighs. He's like, he's really drunk. He told me about the fourth scroll. I went went to tell you, but you weren't at home, and he must have followed me. Then Jin sees his dad is there too. So his his mom and dad are swinging sweet Caroline. Wei Shen says that he thinks the fourth scroll has something to do with Jin's parents. He's like, I think it, it might be your mom's jade pendant. I saw warring factions in Ji Gong's painting always fighting just like your parents. And Jin's like, that's your logic? And Wei Shen's like... They say that their families were at war for generations. Ji Gong has searched the scroll for years, and he agreed that that this might be it. And just like, yeah, okay, great. So what, uh, Chinese Jack Sparrow over there told you about it? He seems like a reliable source of information. (laughs) Mom and dad are lightly poking fun at each other on stage and stuff like that. She says that she told her husband to ask for a promotion, and now he's going to get it. And he's like, I didn't get it. And she's like, what? He's like, Pat got the job. Ji Gong continues singing Sweet Caroline in the background. The mom's like kind of speechless and she like walks away. He follows her and she's like, like, why aren't you mad? And she's like, Pat, he hasn't even been there a a year. And the dad's like, I think his name's Simon. He's like, I thought about it. I'm just going to quit. She's like, you want to quit? How can you not discuss this with me? How are we going to live? And he's like, we have savings. And she's like, not enough for you to quit. He's like, we only need enough for a few months. And she's like, listen to me, there's not enough in there he's like are you kidding me you must be drunk he's like where'd our savings go and she's like i needed to purchase inventory for the green powder and he's like how much she says it was an investment he's like how much and she says half and he just like walks away goes back to the table and then he's like i'm going home Jigong yells out see you later and he like mumbles some stuff he's like some people can't hold their karaoke am i right <laughs> Wei Shen says sorry, this looks bad, but it's necessary to stop the uprising. If the pendant contains the power, and then then Wei Shen notices the pendants are gone around Jin's mom's neck, so he he goes after Ji Gong because he like w- walked off and like in the kitchen he's like, so that's your plan, just, just distract everyone so you can steal the pendants for yourself, and he you know, just like nods. He's like, yeah, wasn't that your plan too? He's like, you don't understand, the Jade Emperor, my father, need this. He, and he's like, "You may not know this, but a long time ago, your father stole my job." He's like, "That's right." Slams like the counter. I was supposed to be the great sage. He's like, "I don't." And Wei Shen's like, "I don't believe you." And he's like, "I don't care if you believe me, because this right here." He takes out the pendant. This is my ticket home. He's like, "Thanks for the tip." And then, like, looking behind Wei Shen, he's like, "Oh, hey Jin." Wei Shen like turns and looks, and Jigong runs. <laughs> so he goes outside, like down the escalators, like onto the street level, and and like Jin uh, Wei Shen's. Like chase chases after him, the mom is singing "I only care about you" some song in Mandarin. Wei Shen and Ji Gong start fighting in, in the street and like spinning and doing all this stuff. Jin goes up uh, to his mom, grabs a tambourine and like vocalizes with her. Ji Gong flips the pendants up in the air. They both stare at it as it's going up, and when it falls back, Wei Shen pushes um, Ji Gong away and catches him in his teeth, and then Ji Gong like, hits him. And gets a hold of them. He like chuckles and he runs. And Wei Shen, he just stands there, watches him run away. So it's like, wait, what what are you doing? You just let him get away with him. Mom says that she's fine when the song's over. Jin walks off to find Wei Shen. And he, and he sees him. He's like, where have you been? And Wei Shen holds up his hand. He's like, abracadabra. And he reveals he has a pendant. So he used a trick that Jin showed him. And Jin's like, did you steal my mom's pendant? And he's like, uh, What? No, well, yes, uh, but I stole it back from Ji Gong. And Jin holds out his hand. He's like, give it to me. And Wei Shen's like, what? He's like, no, I need this. And Jin's like, Wei Shen, give it to me. And as he reaches for it, Wei Shen pulls away. He's like, this is important to me. He's like, well, it's important to you. It's important to my parents. He's like, they just got in this huge fight because of you. He's like, I don't care who you are. I don't care what's going on in heaven. You can't just come in our house and take our things and light at our face. And Wei Shen's like, I lied? He's like, no, you lied. You don't want to be my guide. You don't even want to be my friend. And he's like, Wei Shen, that's not what this is about. That doesn't belong to you. Give it back. He reaches again. Wei Shen moves back. But his elbow kind of like, you know, he jerks his arm up. His elbow hits Jin in the nose. And then he like apologizes. Like, are you okay? And he's just like, stop. So Jin doesn't know what else to say. And he just like walks away. So Ji Gong unwraps a napkin. You know, he, he ran a little bit. So he put the, the pendant in there. And he looks. And it's Jin's light up Lego hot dog man. And then uh, Niu Mo Wang says, Not what you were looking for. So then there's this dude, Jamie. He's trying to fix this lady's fridge, but it's really Ki Hui Quan. I think that's how you say it. So he, he's the guy that plays uh, Freddie Wong in the repair show. She gives him like a container of Papa's con is his favorite, you know, before it goes bad because the fridge isn't working. He gives her this little flyer. He's like, next week I'm teaching a Shakespeare class and, you know, we're having a student showcase. So she asks if he'll be performing. He's like, no, no, I'm just behind the scenes. Then she's like, she says that she has to get back to her show. He walks out and he hears what could go wrong. And there's laughter. So it's like, does she know it's him? I don't know. That was the end of episode five, episode six, hot stuff. So Guan Yin is sorting through some stuff to keep and some stuff to get rid of. She's making piles in the living room. Wei Shen is just laying on a couch staring at the pendant. And she's like, well, what are your plans with it? And he says that if it is a fourth scroll, legend says that he needs his father's staff to open it. But Ni Muang has it. She asks if that's the only thing bothering him. And he's like, he says that he didn't expect that getting this would cost him his friend. Because he thinks he, he hurt Jin. She sighs. She says that she promised not to get involved, but she can offer this just once. So she says that she'll bring the pendant to Lady Rocky. She's like, she gave herself that name. Her real name is She G, and she's apparently all about stones. Wei Shen's like, thanks, and she's like, oh, no need to thank me. Just help me clean. And she's like, do you want me to throw away these old soy sauce packets? And and she's like, ah, what are you crazy? At school in bio class, Amelia asks Jin if he's all right. He's like, yeah. Why? And she's like, nothing. You've just been a little distant lately. That's all. He says just some, you know, other stuff. And she asks, you know, does he want to talk to her about the other stuff? And he's he's like, well, you know that kid Wei Shen? And she's like, yeah, but I haven't seen him in a few weeks. Jin's like, well, he, he went home and then he came back. And he's like, we kind of got into the thing after I left your house the other night. And she's like, like a fight? He's like, kind of. And she's like, he seems really nice. And Jin's like, yeah, well, I guess some people just aren't what they seem. So she's like, well, do you want to finish this project after school today? He's like, I do, yeah, but I can't tonight. And she's like, why not? Jin's like, it's, it's my birthday. She's like, what? He's like, yeah. And she's like, are you going to do anything to celebrate? He's like, no, it's, it's not a big deal in my house. My mom just makes these noodles that taste like nothing, and then my dad gives me 20 bucks. And she's like, hmm, well, my mom just makes practice cakes for the entire month, and then my dad eats them all just to be nice. She's like, we should do something. It's a one day that you get to celebrate yourself. And he's like, we don't really do that. And she's like, oh, we should go bowling. He's like, I'm not turning 50. She's like, he's like, me and Ruby found this place and, and they make it all futuristic. He's like, futuristic as in everyone's 50? She says that, or he says that he guesses noodles can wait. And she's like, perfect. She's like, I'll invite people. And I, I promise it'll be fun. At this jewelry shop called Jewel of the Orient, this lady like tries on these earrings and asks how much. The owner's like, oh, no, no, they're, they're not for sale. And the lady's confused. The owner's like, the stones were forged in the White Bone Cave during the, the Qing Dynasty. I bring them out simply to admire. So the lady's like, name your price. And she's like, it's not really about money. And actually, I'm about to close. And the lady's like, 20000 The owner kind of laughs. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Then she's like, fifty then for the pair. Well, they do look magnificent on you, but what would my ancestors say?" Then she's like, "100,000." And then the owner's like, "Let me wrap those up for you." So the lady shopper leaves and then the owner opens a drawer and like puts out like the same exact like duplicate in a display case. So she obviously scammed her. And uh Guanyin materializes there. She like teleports in or something like that. She's like, "One of a kind, huh?" The owner lady bows and like respects, and and then uh, Guanyin's like, "Nice to see you again, Shiji. Putting your skills to work, I see." And she's like, "Well, gotta feed the beast. You remember Peaks I Forgot how you say his name." She's like, and then she brings out this little like Yorkshire Terrier. Guanyin's like, "He looks different." And she's like, "Oh yeah, the Jade Emperor did that after Peaksu pooped in his lotus pond." And he turned, so he turned him into a dog and sealed his anus. But it's like, so how's he pooped in? Anyways, we're not banished per se. We're just not exactly welcome to the big fancy banquet. She's like, it's fine. So she's like, how can I help? Guan Yin says that she's inquiring about a stone. They discovered two stones actually set together. And she's Shiji's like, what do you need to know? And she's like, whether this is the fourth scroll or not. Jin tries to figure out what to wear he's trying to look at different shirts mom tells him noodles are almost ready and he's like well actually i'm probably gonna go out tonight if that's okay and she's like okay ask your dad to drive have fun but not too late so she has a bunch of like bottles on of powder on the table and you know she's like filling them up it's like that he asks he's like can i ask you how much you spent and she's says she's like we weren't arguing about the money then Jin's like well then what were you arguing about and she's like, you know, when we first met, you know, your, your dad, he had a lot of big ideas and big hopes. Now, sometimes I don't even recognize the man that I married. You know, where did he go? Then it cuts to it in the car. Jin asks his dad, he's like, do you think mom's green powder is a good investment? Dad asks, he's like, do you know what investment is? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, the green powder is not an investment. It's a silly drink. Then it cuts back to the mom, the, the conversation with the mom. And Jin's like, maybe dad just thinks it's risky. And she doesn't even know. What's in the powder? And then she's like, "Do you know what's in your energy drink?" He's like, "No." Like, I, good point, I guess. Then back with the dad in the car, he says that he feels like she she really believes in it, and he thinks that she thinks other people are gonna believe in it too. The dad, Simon, he says that if she just wants to believe, she should go to church, not start a business. She doesn't understand how things work. And we see her like putting the powder in the little jars, and she printed the little labels for him. And then she tells uh, Jin that daddy doesn't know how to take risks anymore. Jin tells dad mom said that she wants to talk to him. Um, He also told his mom that dad said that he wanted to talk to her. So he's basically, he told them both. He's like trying to set it up to, to get them to talk to each other. Then he's like, will you at least try? And then, you know, she starts to say, oh, he's just mad because he, she lost a pendant in the restaurant. You know, she's like, I never liked it much anyways. He tells dad that mom says she's really sorry. She lost a pendant and she feels really bad. So he's like lying to both of them. Dad just says, he's like, call when you want to come home. And Jin, like he wants to say something. But he doesn't know what. So he just gets out of the car. There's a lot of people inside, a lot of kids. Um, so he's apparently late. His friends and classmates are already there. And he, he talks like, you know, Travis, there other people that he sees a news. And uh, what's her name? Susie, I think the the newspaper editor, girl, and uh, he asks if Travis is being cool, and the news is like, Travis hasn't said anything, so he's like, I think she's scared of Susie, and she's like, yeah, every few minutes, I give him a death stare just to freak him out. Amelia comes up to him, and he thanks her for doing all this, and she's like, oh, oh, please, she's like, I booked a couple lanes and ordered some food. He's like, yeah, I noticed a Panda Express. He's like, is that because, uh, you know, because he's Chinese, and she's like, uh, the guys insist on it? Apparently, they eat, like, four times a week, and he's like, oh, and she's like, It is mostly gone, you know, sorry about that. But they did give us t-shirts because we ordered so many Panda Bowls. And Jin's like, yeah, I'm not wearing a t-shirt. She's like, oh, I know, because you'll be wearing this. She hands him a bag, the hot stuff hoodies inside. And she's like, like it? You know, I thought it just suited you. He's like, thank you very much. And she's like, I felt you needed to have it. So then there's like a bowling montage of them all playing and stuff like that. Then Jin sees Wei Shen walking up. He's, He's like, wait, why is he here? She's like, I invited him. I thought you could smooth things over. So Wei Shen has a little gift. He's like, hi, everybody. They actually just like say hi to him, which is weird and nice. Then Jin just like stares at Wei Shen. Shi Jin is still looking at the pendant. <laughs> and she tells Guanyin that she's flattered that she came to her. It's an honor to help. So Guanyin says, of course, after all, you are Lady Rocky. And then she's like, you know, I actually gave myself that title. So she says that she'll have to run more tests to uncover the true identity, but first she wants to talk pricing. And Guanyin's like, pricing? And she, she's like, yeah, what's your offer? And Guanyin's like, my offer? So Jin's like, for my services. And Guanyin's like, you want payment for this? And she's like, well, you don't expect me to operate for free, do you? And she's like, Shiji, this could stop the uprising and bring harmony back to heaven. And she's like, yeah, I'm not as crazy about heaven as, as some. You can't tell by looking at me, but I actually used to be a cave demon. Then she notices Guan Yin's like bead bracelet, And she's like, she you know, she looks at that. She's like, it's a personal gift from Nezha himself. And she's like, really? I'll take it. In exchange for looking at your pendant. Guan Yin chuckles. She's like, Chi, you don't want this. And she like chuckles. And she's like, no, you know, I, I do. She's like, um, how about just three beads then? You know, you're the goddess of compassion. Think how happy it would make me. And Guanyin's like, honestly, I didn't come here to make a deal. Then she's like, okay, well, then perhaps there's another expert in Heavenly Stones that can help you. And she gets up. Guanyin's like, fine. It's not a trade, it's a gift. So Xi Ji takes a couple uh, beads off and starts feeding them to her dog. And Guanyin's like, confused. But Xi Ji says that he doesn't like it when people talk while he's trying to eat. So he swallows and his like chest goes, the dog. And then he like spits them out. So Shiji says, looks like your beads really were from Nezha because he doesn't like cosmic stones. So <laughs> Okay. It seems that Wei Shen is doing really well at bowling. He's wearing a Panda Express shirt. Jin is kind of pouting and finally decides to open Wei Shen's gift. It's a jar of his mom's powder. <laughs> so he goes up to Wei Shen and he has to talk to him. And he's like, why are you here? And he's like, Amelia, invited me. He's like, no, I know. But why are you really here? Weishin's like, I come to say happy birthday. You open your present yet? He's like, yeah, you were gifted me to herbal powder my mom gave you. Very thoughtful. And Weishin's like, my guardian blessed it. Maybe it will work magic now. He's like, okay, cool. Thanks, man. Look, is there some other reason you're still sticking around? Or you just want to find new ways to ruin my life? He's like, I'm sorry. Then he sees Ji Gong walk into the bowling alley. So Wei Shen tells Jin, he's like, come with, with me. It's not safe here. So Ji Gong stumbles like, after them. So he looks like he's still drunk. They go into like the arcade area. Jin um, sees when he walks in. He's like, oh, great. Drunk busboy guy. It's like, hey, did Amelia invite you too? Wei Shen says, he's like, I'll handle this. So Jin yells, everybody, free slushies out there. So Ji Gong asks, he's like, where is it? And then he's like, Wei Shen's like, the toilet down the hall to your left. So, uh, Ji Gong's like, good news and bad news. The good news is I now know where the toilet is. Thank you. Bad news is this guy. He steps aside and Wei Shen says in Mandarin, bull demon. So then he's like, what's wrong? Not excited to see me. I have a business opportunity for you. He's like, not interested. Hear me out. You have the fourth scroll, but need the staff. I have the staff, but need the fourth scroll. What if we work together? He's like, you left home for a reason, didn't you? And Jin's like, please don't say anything to make him mad. And Mandarin, Wei Shen's like, why would I work with a weak baby like you? And Jin's like, I feel like you didn't listen to me. So, and he's like, careful how you speak to me. I'm not an idiot like Ji Gong. And he's like, hey. He's like, hand it over. And then you see this like mouse squeaking on the floor. And it turns into Sun Wukong. And, and he's like, leave the boy alone. And Wei Shen's like, dad, have you been watching over me the whole time? I can handle this myself. And uh, Muang's like, sorry, kid. I think I'm the one he's looking for. And Sun King's like, or Monkey King, he said, been a long time, Muang. Has your anger driven you to wish for the downfall of heaven? And Muang's like, if I recall, that used to be your wish. Ji Gong says, boom. <laughs> it's like he, like he just butts in and says that. And then uh, uh, Sun Wukong says, give this up. I can help you. And Mu- Muang I keep, I'm I'm so I'm trying to keep the name straight. I keep forget I'm horrible with names as you know. And he's like, Why would I need your help? I've got this. And he holds up the staff and Wukong like holds out his hand to summon it back, but nothing happens. So then Muang's like, How's it feel to want something that I have for once? There's this big stare down and Jin's like, uh, you guys seem like you have a lot to talk about. I should probably go. Muang yells, I don't think so. Then Wei Shen yells, No, and he pushes Jin out of the way and uh, uh, Muang extended the staff to, like, hit Jin, but it ends up hitting Wei Shen, like, in a gun. He goes flying across the room, smashes in, into a change machine, like, it busts. So Wu Kong yanks out a hair from his head, whoosh, blows on it, turns into a big blade, starts fighting against Muang with the staff. Then he yells at Wei Shen, he's like, hurry! And so him and Jin run out, like, shoving Ji aside. And Wang yells at him, he's like, go get them! So out in the alley, in the bowling alley, the DJ starts cranking the music up, and then the, the DJ trips Ji Gong and like rolls him under the, the, like, the turntable thing. So it's like, wait, who's this DJ? Amelia sees them and says that they're, you know, they're, they're about to sing Happy Birthday, and they got a cake. Wei Shen says to, to him, he's like, we have to get everyone out of here. And he's like, and don't tell him that my dad is fighting a demon. And she's like, I wasn't going to. The arcade room is just getting trashed from them fighting. Wu Kang is like, he's barely holding his own against Muang and the, and the staff. Then uh, the DJ, I think her name is Sandy. She like jumps through this window and Muang recognizes her. So she has like these double-sided curved blade things in each hand. So outside in the bowling alley, they are saying, happy birthday to you. Wei Shen sings faster to speed it up. Jin blows out the candles. He's like, okay, candles out. Party's over. Thanks for coming. I mean, it was like, it's like, we didn't even cut the cake yet. And then Jin tries uh, saying that maybe they shoot you out in the parking lot. So, it's two against one in the arcade room. Wukong tells Sandy to tell the others. So, he grabs the end of the staff. Muang twists it, and, like, the little piece of glass that, or mirror that he put in there pops out. Um, and then Wukong tries, like, channeling his energy into it to, like, regain control or something like that. Then there's, like, this energy explosion, and they both go flying back. Like, dropping... He, Muang drops the staff. Wei Shen comes in, runs to his dad, seeing that he's hurt. He should have ran to the staff, right? But he went to his dad. And he's like, this is because of me. Muang grabs Wukong and uses extended staff to pin Wei Shen against an arcade machine. Then the staff goes, goes back. And there's like this flicker. And then like the scene fades to black. So it's like, wait, what just happened there? At Jin's, dad says to mom that Jin said that she wanted to talk. And she says that he told her that he wanted to talk. Simon chuckles. He's like, that kid's a terrible liar. And then she says that he gets that from him. He asks, like, how's your headache? And she's like, oh, it's the same. He's like, you should eat something. And she's like, what about you? He's like, I already ate, or something like that. So it's like, he ate without her. I don't know. And then he just, like, he like leaves the room. Shijin uh, tells Guanyin that the piece is authentic. Two warring families are as, as prophesized, And she's like, but does it possess the power of the fourth scroll? So Shiji says, for that, you'd still need the Jingu. Bong, whatever, until then the staff. Until then it looks like the it's it's like a lock with, with no key. She's like, we can of course test to see if it has celestial properties. And Guan Yin's like, you're talking about the dog. I'm talking about the dog. If it he glows and spits it up, then at least you know it's not of this world. And Guanyin's like, and if it doesn't, she's like, I have a beautiful assortment of J pieces, all one of a kind. So Guanyin's like, sure, let's try it. And then uh, Shiji's like, would you like to do the honors? So Guan Yin offers it, but Shiji stops her. And she's like, make him do a trick first. Tell him to spin or something. So he spins and she puts the, the pendant in his mouth. Travis and some of the soccer bros say that they're headed out. You know, thanks for the party. Anuj and Susie are headed out too. Anuj tells Jin's, he's like, oh, you must have a lot of questions. You know, me and Susie are dating. She's like, no, we're not. He's like, but you, yeah, we are. He's like, you just said that. And she's like, okay, we're done here. So I guess they are dating. Amelia asks him, you know, she's like, that wasn't so bad celebrating yourself. And he says, he's just not used to this sort of thing. Then Ruby, Amelia's friend, is like, we have to go. And she's like, I have to give my cat his medicine. Amelia asks him, "She's like, do you need a ride? He's like, no, my dad's coming. And Ruby just pulls Amelia away. So here's the thing. Amelia did all this stuff. She clearly must like Jin. And like Jin barely thanks. I mean, he thanks her, but it's like, it, I don't know. I mean, clearly they have money, but to buy to book the lanes, I don't know how much that cost. And then to get order all this food and the cake and get him the hot stuff sweatshirt and I don't know. Like not even like a kiss, not even a hug, not even a handshake. So Jin runs into the arcade room, he sees Wei Shen sitting on the floor, he's like, Hey, what happened? And he's like, They took him. He's like, Who? Who took who? And Shen's like, My father. And then it it's like directed by Lucy Liu. I totally forget that, forgot that she was involved with this. I don't know if she directed any other episodes, but she directed this one. So credits. But then it picks up like right away, like short credits. So Freddie, uh, the one, what's his name, Jamie, the Freddie Wong actor. He's giving like his Shakespeare lesson like a classroom, and you know, so he's very insightful. He he then he gets a call on his phone. He answers it. Uh, this lady named Marissa. is is talking so he asked if she checked out the script or something like that and she's like not yet but you know what i'm calling about jamie's like yeah at a reunion show and she says that it's a live taping they need an answer by end of the day he's like i just i need more time to think about it he's like plus i'm teaching at the the jc and she says that they're talking about a possible full season reboot and you know she would hate for him to miss the opportunity so he's like do i have to say the line she's like i knew it was gonna that was gonna come up She thinks that, you know, she says that she thinks Freddie Wong is an iconic character. And she thinks that he's a trailblazer who opened the door for a generation of actors. So they're going to have to update the show no matter what. So it's a conversation that they can have. And he mentions, uh, you know, going to get his car service. He sat there for like 45 minutes. No one said anything. As he drove away, they they said, what could go wrong? And he's like, it's been 30 years. And she's like, why not just get paid for it? You know, maybe enough to finance that movie, and he's like, "Just, just read my script," and that's the end of that episode. So I'm not really sure how that's gonna fit in. Does it have anything to do with it? I don't know. So I think there's two more episodes that I'll cover next week. Okay, and now the movie feature, Transformers: Rise of the Beast, <laughs> and I say that I, I'm, I'm not. I, I feel like I've said this, it must have been to people when I said, yeah, I'm going to see a Transformers movie. I'm not a big Beast Wars fan. I, I, I Maybe because, you know, when Transformers came out, I kind of watched it. I wasn't like super into it because I was starting to get to the age where I was kind of busy and everything. Because where, at least in, in the Illinois suburbs, pretty sure they showed it five days a week. And like, it was like, like four. 4.30 or something like that They, I think they showed G.I. Joe and Transformers so one I was like how the heck are they showing like five episodes a week like that's so many episodes and so I I watched it from time to time but um, then like later when the Beast Wars came I always felt and I could be totally wrong about this I always felt like Beast Wars was geared towards like a younger audience I, I figured they're like, like oh kids like animals so here's these animals these toy animals that turn into robots oh how cool is that and I think without knowing anything about it, to me, that just doesn't make sense. And, and the, like, the, the funny thing, I was like, it doesn't seem realistic, even though robots that can change and talk, that's not, re- you know, from another planet, that's not realistic. But at least with the Transformers, they turn into vehicles and they look like vehicles. With the, the, the Beast, the what, Maximal, whatever you, you call them, Maximals, it, they're like huge. So you have like a cheetah who's like bigger than Optimus Prime, bigger than a semi. Like that, that is not realistic. And yeah, and and the thing is like with um, Optimus Primal, so he's he's a gorilla, and then he like you know beats on his chest sometimes. It's like why is he beating on his chest? He's a robot in the form of a gorilla. It's not his real form. He obviously adapted that when he came to Earth. I so uh, it, it's just it's just kind of weird now with the movie I'm sort of confused I, I what I should have done is like look at the whole timeline thing to see how this fits in I think I could be wrong because I was, at first I was like when does this take place I love the fact that in the trailer that they even said 1994 so I was like okay we know that this clearly takes place before the Shia LaBeouf movies if if those are still even in canon I don't even know because I'm assuming like the Marky Mark ones were like way after the fact. I don't know because I have only saw those once. And I barely remember. Because it seemed like it seemed like the world was like almost like apocalyptic. It was just like all destroyed and, or not destroyed. But, anyways, so I think the the Haley Steinfeld the Bumblebee movie did that play take place in the '80s, like 1987. I could be wrong about that. So I think this is taking place after that. And the other weird thing. So we have all these transformers, and with the the first Michael Bay transformer movie, with the Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox, it seemed like you know no one knew about transformers. Like what? Whoa! What is going on? What are these, these robots that can turn? What? What? But then here, like things are happening, and it's like how can people not be aware of like the destruction and stuff caused? And and it could be that. In the nine, 1994, you know, there's not cell phones everywhere and there's not cameras everywhere. So it is possible that, that like this crazy stuff could be happening and, and no one's, like, catching sight of it. What happened to the street? How is it all damaged? Whoa, some pesky vandal kids, you know, doing something. So I, I don't know. And, and then the other thing is this movie brings up uh, Unicron. It's like, what the heck? You're bringing Unicron up in the, the past? But the thing is, Unicron never actually comes to Earth. So you have that as well. So you, it, it starts off, you know, Unicron is trying to... He eats planets like Galactus. And he has these uh, Terracons. Because, you know, we don't have Decepticons. Because you can't have them because they don't come until later, right? So he has these Terracons. And there's this key, this transwarp key, that's supposed to open a portal through like, space and time. And that will allow uh, Unicron to eat other planets. Because like we see with like the Maximals planets or something like that, it gets destroyed and you know they have to sacrifice themselves and stuff like that. So I think like most of the Maximals are wiped out, maybe. So they they're they're trying to save you know, they they run off with the key and that's where they, they go to Earth to like hide from Unicron and the, the Terracons. So then it cuts. So, so basically, they've been on Earth for like thousands of years, or a thousand. I don't know if it was one thousand or multiple thousands. So they've just been hiding out. They've been there for for who knows how long. The Transformers. I don't remember how long they've been there. Maybe they mention that in, in, in Bumblebee. But then we're introduced to this guy Noah Noah Diaz. I actually really liked this his his character when i saw him in a trailer i'm like who's this dude and it was all because that one scene when that porsche is driving down and then it transformed and he's just like doot, 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 walks out even though the cars he would have momentum he would go flying out of the car he couldn't just take a casual step out like like nothing no it's so fake <laughs> these movies aren't realistic. It's being silly, but I actually liked his character. You know, he has this younger brother. He has like some medical issues, and and you know he he used to be like in the military. Well, I I won't get into specifics of stuff like that. So you know he's trying to get a job because he's trying to help out with the you know the, the costs. There's no insurance or whatever, so you know or whatever the insurance is. You know it's really expensive to get his brother treatment and and, and stuff. But you know he's having trouble getting a job because. He, obviously, clearly racism. You know, they, they think that he's just this Hispanic, you know, punk or whatever. Then uh, a friend of his, he was trying to get him to help him steal a car. So finally he's like, he doesn't have a choice. He's like, fine, I'll help you. So they go to like this parking garage where there's like all these cars and, and the guy's like wanting to steal this Porsche, Porsche 911, which is Mirage. And then that's how you see in the trailer where the car is driving or anything like that. And he's not driving it, but then there's this other story going on at the same time where there's this uh, this this lady. She's uh, her Elena. She's a uh, um, an intern at like a museum, but she's like way smart. She like knows her stuff like like so well. Like the owner is like this complete dingbat who doesn't know anything. And there's like this new artifact that's brought in. It's actually, I say, I now feel like I'm giving too much away. So sh- basically the two get involved with this. It's like, okay, we got to find these keys. Do we want to put these, the, the keys were actually broken half. Do we put the keys together? Cause then the, the transformers can get home, but there's also the danger of Unicron coming and trying to destroy earth. So it's like, what do you do? And then uh, the Terracons are, are going to come, blah, blah, blah. You know, so there's going to be a big battle. And, and then there, there you have your typical transformers movie then the Maximals join up the, the few remaining ones and it's them because we don't luckily we don't have a lot of transformers and I say luckily because it wouldn't make sense to have a whole bunch of them so we have this few number against the terracons and you know they can probably bring in more because you know unicron has probably an abundance of evil minions so it, it's it's all right. One thing that kind of bothered me, and this is so like so off the topic, but there's one point where I noticed when Optimus Prime is talking, and I know a lot of people comment about his design. Some people like it, some people don't like it, but it's an earlier in a time period, so whatever. But when I'm looking at Optimus Prime in his chest, you know, he's got the two windows from the, the front of the Mack truck. And, I, and when he's standing next to like Noah, I'm like, wait, that is supposed to be a truck like interior that people would sit in there. It looks so small compared to him. And then a point when you know when he's a truck versus when he, it, it's I, I I know I'm not supposed to think about this worry about this but I feel like is is there like matter being added or what it's like how is this possible but whatever I'm not supposed to worry about that so there were you know there were cool scenes and everything cool fights um, like I said I did like Noah um, Elena I didn't like her at first or anything but you know she even became cool and and I I. I have to give them credit for that, for making me care about these two human characters that, you know, have no attachment to them. But, you know, maybe I don't know if it was the writing or maybe it was just the actor's performance that that really did it. You know, the same thing with with Bumblebee. I didn't didn't really know who Haley Steinfeld was. You know, I I don't even know if I knew that she was in in uh, uh, Pitch Perfect because she was I don't she wasn't in the first one right was she only in the second one was she in the third I don't know because you know my daughter saw those movies so I so I watched those I don't even know if I saw the third one is there a third one but when I saw bumblebee you know obviously haley seinfeld is such a has such a persona such a you know you can't help but, but like her so you know that's like like right off the bat but with this uh, you know, I pretty quickly, you know, not as quickly as, as with in Bumblebee, but you know you start to care about these characters because they're they're trying to do a good thing and everything. So it was an all right movie, and I don't know if maybe part of it is because of just having a tough time with you know saying goodbyes and just you know not being in the best mood. But I, part of me, I was, like, kind of bored at times watching it. You know, I ended up watching it Friday afternoon instead of, like, Thursday when I normally see the movies. And, you know, it was just, I I, I don't know. Maybe I was slightly distracted and just I couldn't get into it as much. But, but part of me, I'm just like, eh, and I don't know if it has to do with taking place in the 90s. So it's like, well, you know, like, you know, Optimus Prime can't, although one Transformer dies, but then something happens. You know, it's like, wait, you can't kill Transformers that appear in other movies later? How's that possible? But it's happened before, right? So, I don't know. I mean, it's a fine movie. It, I, don't, I don't even remember the last, the Marky Mark one, that one. I remember it wasn't that great, maybe. I don't even know. See, I, part of me, I would love to just, like, watch them all again. But then part of me is like, eh, maybe not. And it, it's, a, it's a matter of time. So, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I would say if you're a Transformers fan, you should see it. It's it, it's worth seeing on the big screen because that's what these movies are about—the big spectacles. And you know, even if you have a nice big TV, you know that would would be just okay. Uh, but I I think seeing in the a big theater is, is is makes it more enjoyable, makes it cooler. So it, it was just fine. And then there's a a, a bit at the end. They kind of like set something else up. I'm not really sure where they're going with this i mean are we going to reboot something again i I don't know and i that i won't talk about I and mean, you may have heard about it. i'm sure spoilers are out there for that but it has something to do with noah at at, at the end so spoiler noah survives he doesn't die but yeah there's something hmm, i don't i don't i really don't know how i feel about that i mean it could be cool but whatever so that I mean that's really all I have to say about about Transformers. It, to me, it was just an okay movie. It, it maybe it was better than the other ones. I really like. I think I really like Bumblebee. I've been wanting to watch that again, but I only saw that once. So I don't know. Um, I'm I'm glad they're still finding a way to make Transformer movies because you know I I not that I was I mean I was never a huge fan of it, but there's something about it that I think is is just kind of neat and fun. So, I, I I what would they do for the next one? I mean, I don't I don't know. Or is it gonna be nineteen ninety six? I don't know. That was a that's Rise of the Beasts. Um, so there you go. That's that's it. That's gonna be it for this show. Uh, I, I, it's been a long week. So I, I apologize if the quality is a little just this week. Um, hopefully next week will be better. And and uh, I think um, that's gonna be it. So let me wrap this up. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. That would make help make my week better. Um, any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Um, I talked about comic books often. Um, I may... I have a movie that I've been wanting to talk about. Maybe I should talk about that. Movie from... Is it the 90s or the 2000s I forget when it's from um, but but it was a movie I had never seen before so that's always fun when I, I've, I I'm embarrassed that I haven't watched it before but I yeah so maybe I'll do that um, and then I'll do some comics or offer of I, I should maybe I'll do more another offer of mine before I dive into another comic series um, but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two and that's ko ficom Slash Now, as far as next week, we have The Flash. Obviously, um, I'm I'm excited about that. You know, like many, I'm not a super duper Ezra Miller fan, but people are saying it's a good performance. So, so whatever issues aside, you know, trying to separate you know art from the artist type of thing, um, I'm I'm hoping it's gonna be cool. I'm I'm excited to see Supergirl and Michael Keaton come on and Ben Affleck. So I'm hoping it's going to be fun. I could really use that. Um, I think Black Mirror starts this week, too. And, of course, Netflix is going to drop all of them. I don't even know how many episodes. But I will definitely talk about those. I don't remember if I talked... I feel like I talked about Banders Bandersnitch, Snatch. So I don't know if I talked about the others. Maybe I did. Um, and then... Uh, uh, there's a uh, Superman and Lois isn't on this week, so I'll do more uh, American Born Chinese. I do Silo. Maybe, maybe that'll be it. I don't. I don't know. So we'll we'll see. I hope you are doing well. I hope you are doing better than I am. Um. I hope things are going smoothly. Hope you're having fun in life, and I hope you remember be good to each other.